0: What's going on boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of two white lights for you today USAPL Raw Nationals is done and over with and we have our recap You know what? I didn't even edit this podcast. I didn't really do anything We are trying to get this episode to you as quick as possible because we got a lot of interviews coming up We explain how we do the recap as we get started on the show We cover all the sessions. We cover the big storylines We recap it all So this is your recap episode from the biggest, the most competitive powerlifting meet of the year. And hopefully you enjoy it. We have a lot of fallout interviews afterwards. Get excited for that. Talk about them a little bit towards the end of the episode. But I'm just going to get right into read so you guys can listen to this episode. Before we get into this, got to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftfloorbros.com, visit our Instagram. Make sure you follow them because you will see the Lefflar Bros family grow, and the reason why it's growing, because they release the best merchandise in powerlifting. They are a company that continuously tries to think outside the box and come up with new designs for the lifter, and they do a fantastic job of that. It is something that is not really seen in powerlifting, a company that tries to be creative and continuously be creative for the lifter. So, Make sure you're going on leftlordbros.com, getting yourself some merchandise. They were at Raw Nationals. We had ourselves a great time. Uh, it was always good because, like I said, they give back to the lifter, and they give us alcohol. And that's always good when they give us alcohol. So got to give a shout-out for CB on that. We had a great time that night. But also, guys... Check out leftlarbros.com. Check out the merchandise. Use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. They also have two white lights merchandise on there as well. So if you go on leftlarbros.com, you're going to get yourself some leftlarbros merchandise and you're going to get yourself some two white lights merchandise. We got a whole lot of designs, we got a whole lot of things for you. So use that promo code 2WL15 at checkout and you will save. 15% 15% off of your order. Also, make sure you guys are on Rival Nutrition Rivalist.net, and get yourself some Rivalus sups. They have informed choice supplements. So, that is important for you tested athletes. You don't want to take anything that might get you popped. Informed choice supplements means there's no banned substance in it and that is good. So, make sure you are getting your informed choice supplements on rivalus.net that is rival nutrition make sure you are on that use promo code Angelo 20 to save 20% off of your order Also go to lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. I saw so much soic gear on the platform in Carolina primetime and at Raw Nationals and they have I'm telling you the Soic brand is growing because I see a lot of people in their gear and the reason why I see a lot of people is because it's the best. Uh, Carolina Primetime, Brandon Petrie said it was the best knee sleeves ever wore. Same thing with Chance Mitchell. A lot of lifters are getting themselves into stoic gear, and that's because it's the best and it's the most affordable too. So make sure you're using promo code ANGELO10 to make it a little bit more affordable because that is going to help you. Save your save some money and also get yourself in some stoic gear. The singlet, the wrist wraps, the knee sleeves. I wear it all because I love it so much. Use promo code Angela10. Also make sure you guys are visiting Notorious Lift. No slip drip slippers. Again, I was just at Raw and I saw everyone look amazing with the notorious lift slippers and also have some big deadlifts as well. And they continuously come up with big, exciting new color waves. So make sure you guys are on the lookout for that. Make sure you're a lookout on those color waves. Check out what they have, and they're dropping some stuff. And when they have those drops, be on the lookout because those things sell out fast. Sign up for the newsletter. Get those Notorious Lift slippers. Also, make sure you are subscribing on Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify. Give a five-star rating. Leave a review as well. That helps Two White Lights tremendously. We thank you all for who have done that. We are growing in numbers and size, and we have you to thank. And without further ado, here it is, Two White lights
1: Oh baby I like it more Yeah baby
0: I like it more Oh baby I like it more Baby I like it more yeah. Show me show me your shimmy yeah shimmy yeah Give me the mic so I can take a walk off on the natural Charles bone for you Yeah from the home of the Dodge of Brooklyn squad Who we'll can't It is Wednesday, June 23rd, and we are back from Daytona Beach, and we got a USAPL Raw Nationals recap for you. Steve, are you as depressed as I am right now that it's done?
1: I don't think I'm depressed. Like, I had a—I mean, we we live for that week each year, and again, we've talked about, like, if you've never been to Raw Nationals, you just don't understand— um, and honestly, I think probably for both of us, it was a bit of a different experience because I don't think either of us were super like well-known the last time around. Um, you, you were, you were a big man on campus, especially at raw nationals this year. So it was just, it was just fun being able to interact with so many people. Obviously how many people you've interviewed, you now got to see in person people we've got upcoming interviews with. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say depressed. I'm, I, am i i it lived up to my hype and expectations of what raw nationals is and got me excited for the next coming year, leading back into it. So as well as we'll see what the next year brings within the USAPL. Mm-hmm. We, we don't, we don't know the, the, the exact, uh, the trajectory of where things are going to be going.
0: Yeah, I, I would have, I mean, I would agree with you. I had an awesome time. Uh, not saying that I didn't have an awesome time, but it was, it's the post meet blues uh, getting to me. This always happens, uh, especially after a big one. Like, when I did my last meet, the ultimate warrior, I just went back into prep and I had no post meet blues at all because it was, well, I get that from an tough. athlete perspective. That's different than a coach
1: perspective yeah. because as a coach, I've got someone competing this weekend already. Like it, it, there's <laughs> no layoff for me. It's, it's right back to more people competing from an athlete perspective. Hundred oh hundred hundred percent. I get that as you, you've trained for almost two years now for that day mm-hmm. and then it's just kind of done
0: yeah so and I will agree like as far as uh just a different experience in 2019 i was i was the meme guy really at 2019 raw nationals like oh it's a bleeding shins guy it's the belt flip guy uh it's the you know it's the guy who makes memes and um and, he, and, he's, and he's, that's a deadlifted heels guy uh, and, uh, and this 2021 it's like oh it's angelo host of two white lights and a good lifter oh.
1: It's third place in the 83 kilo division, <laughs> Angelo Fortino. That is that is the title we're going with. I might be the oracle, but you are the bronze, bronze medalist, medalist, at Nationals. Nationals,
0: the bronze medalist. That's a great nickname to uh, have. Hopefully, we can gain that. Angelo Bronze, Angelo Bronze Fortino. <laughs> there we go.
1: We're that's stuck. It's not going. Well, what well, was uh, what well was
0: Dennis Reynolds on Always Sunny in Philadelphia? The Golden God or something? I'll be the I'll be the Bronze yeah. God. The bronze god Angelo Fortino, but yeah, it was an awesome experience. I had a blast. I think uh, if you followed me on if you follow me on Instagram, you would know I had a blast. Got to have drinks with my friends. Got to got to hang out with them afterwards. Had a great competition. We'll go. I'll probably go into my experiences a little bit more as far as the competition aspect with our coach client confidential with Joe Stanek coming up. Um, but as far as Raw Nationals, you know, being the week that we all look forward to. It was that, you know, we all had a great time. Um, and it delivered on a great meet. Um, perhaps in another episode, I'll, I'll share maybe a little bit of my, my findings at the national board meeting that I attended. And that was some really good stuff. That was, I actually recommend a lot of lifters. Uh, if you're serious about the USAPL attend that thing. So I had actually a great time listening to everyone talk about the certain issues and proposals. And, Again, I'm just going to go into a little segue here with that that national board meeting. If you guys don't think that the USAPL thinks about decisions that they make, they totally do, and it's way more structured than any other federation guaranteed. Like, from rule changes to proposals to talks with the IPF, they really get it out there and they discuss this, this stuff in a really logical way and a really appropriate way. So, um, you know, that experience for me was great, but... Yeah, I would say overall, a uh, fantastic experience at Raw Nationals. Um, I would like to apologize to all the lifters because I apparently got the kilos taken away from us at a uh, Perfect Storm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Perfect Storm. <laughs> I put bad. a pair
1: of collars away and everyone got it taken away. So, so that's I was probably so why we had some underwhelming performances because those people didn't get to use kilos on their, their training days. It
0: was, it, I mean, you can call a strategy, but you know, I went in there perfect storm, like how can I get the kilos taken away from all these lifters so I could reign supreme? So it could, it could be argued that, uh, that's what got me third place at 83s and that's what hurt some other competitors. But yeah, you know what I did get though? Some real great instruction uh, at Perfect Storm on how uh, on how a squat bar works and how a power rack works because I never used a power rack in my life. I needed complex, complex instructions on how that works, but also no instructions at all on what to do with the kilos after you're done using them. Actually, any instructions at all with the kilos, but whatever. It's done. I'm sorry, USAPL lifters. I know how much you love your kilo plates, and I was the asshole that got them taken away, um, but I do know how to use a power rack now, so that's good. i i'm i'm fully fully versed on that you'll you'll use them now
1: at surge you've never used them before yeah
0: i was like what are these contraptions do i squat in this like sir how do you adjust the the rack height on (laughs) how do you adjust the uh the levers on this on this uh power rack but i apologize to everyone for that um so the venue itself i thought was pretty great i still think 2019 had the best uh display as far as the venue goes um I think with that, I think we were meant to be in the bigger
1: expo center. I think they, I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming in 2020 when they planned to do four platforms, there was a bigger expo center, and I assume we were supposed to be in that room. That would make sense. And they downsized because of this being a smaller two-platform meet. So I, I very much assume it would have been similar if this had been a normal Raw Nationals.
0: Yeah, and – it was smaller, um, less competitors there. Multiple platforms. Uh, multiple platforms could always be interesting. It happened with the Arnold. Um, I think it ca- ca- called for some like some interesting situations. One as a spectator, like my head they had to be on a swivel because uh, we're gonna get to the recap soon. Uh, as far as like the lifting goes, but like watching one platform because the only one I really got to spectate fully was the ninety threes and one twenties. Um, compete at the same or one, um, or the 93s through the super heavyweights. So I was like looking back and forth the entire time because there was like, Oh, we got this amazing, we got Ashton Rouse squatting over here. And then I look, I'm like, Oh shit, uh, you know, Bob Matthews is squatting over here at the same time. It was like you were trying to keep up with everything, then you just missed a squat because you were watching this other amazing competitor. Um, and that. Is, you know, it was fine with what they had with the two platforms, but also, like, it led to some funny situations, because I didn't know this until you brought it up. Uh, Russ had to squat or deadlift in, the second deadlift in, like, the dark, because Taylor yeah, Atwood it just was, pulled an insane right. 750.
1: Yeah, it was right when Taylor was pulling 750, and I guess something with the strobe lights or lighting, uh, Russ's platform on his second deadlift went dark, and literally, you couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but I know you had some things with uh, strobe lights while you are trying to do your third deadlift. So yeah. that's the reason Primetime's so great is it, it helps – like I get for all classes combined, we need like four platforms to get the meet going so we can have all these lifters. But that, That's just why – I mean I get why they couldn't do it this year, but that's just why primetime is so great is we can narrow it down to one platform and one person lifting.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean it was – my friends actually made fun of me because like they saw on the live stream – of me looking at the strobe lights, but also just looking at, like, Taylor Atwood getting congratulatory standing ovation from everyone while I was about to deadlift my own American record. And they were like, it was funny how you just stopped. And this is exactly what I did. I stopped until the strobe lights stopped because I wasn't about to deadlift with strobe lights hitting me in the face. And especially with the entire crowd turned slightly to the right. I did not know how much Taylor deadlifted. That was that was after the fact. I'll, I'll speak on that a little. I did not know a 750. I probably would have turned around and given a round of applause myself <coughs> if I knew it was 750. I thought he like shipped the the old American record of deadlift, but no, he pulled something insane. So I probably would have stopped and applauded myself. But yeah, I made sure those strobe lights stopped before I uh, did my deadlift. I remember checking the timer, like I got time here to, you know, set myself up. But uh, yeah, that was the interesting with the two platforms, um, as far as equipment goes. People are making a big deal about the ER racks. Uh, I actually really like the ER racks. I don't mind them. I don't know what no, it is about them. I actually I, like I don't, them.
1: I don't I don't think they're the best rack, but they're not as much of an issue. Um, obviously, I coach Sean, and Sean has been vocal that he doesn't love ER. But honestly, after Ron Nats, I think he'd tell you that he's like, actually, ER isn't that bad, like. And yeah. if anyone read my Instagram post today, the ER rack wasn't anything to do with at all with what happened with Sean's bench. He actually felt great on the ER. So I think most people, yeah, the ER is not a huge issue. I like a Leco better. I think that is probably the best rack to use. But I get that like you would need twelve Alicos, and that's five thousand dollars a piece, and it's not as easy said yeah. as it's done. So
0: yeah, I, I I enjoyed I I yeah I, I when I got into the ER rack, I'm like actually I I lock, I lock myself in pretty well with them. The issue was the carpet though. That's one thing I will suggest. Like as far as I don't know what they could do differently with carpet, but if you look at everyone's feet um, during my session, during everyone's session, it was an ice rink out there. Uh, people were sliding all over the place, and really, if you look at bench presses, it was a little bit. It was a. It was um. It, it was a, it was a bad showing for a lot of lifters on the uh, on bench press. Uh, yeah, and, I, I, and I, you could know. literally see my sleet, feet slide under me, and that does not happen a whole lot with uh, my my bench press because I'm tucked in. So, um, yeah, I mean, even with the water shoes, uh, we were, we were slipping a little bit there and that was, that was, that was echoed with most, most of the letters.
1: I think everyone agrees on that. Cause even, I even saw people who are very normal bench friends. like their feet are tucked under and they, I actually saw one guy, um, very normal bench. He actually, uh, uh, hurt himself from slipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, could happen. Cause I don't, I actually talked about this with someone else. I've heard of two platforms that are just not great, and it's the Rogue and the Alico. It's almost like they overdo them versus just getting very normal carpet from Home Depot or Lowe's. Cause like I think most local meets, just the very basic carpet is fantastic. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That I, I would love I mean, it's tough because I know Rogue's a sponsor, but that carpet universally was an issue for everyone, and it's an issue on deadlifts too. Um I talked about this I was in having issues setting on
0: myself on deadlift. It took There's, me a bit to set myself. Uh, I was rolling the bar to find a good spot for it the entire yeah, time. Yeah, that carpet would bunch and divot really bad. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I had an issue in 2019 or 2020 at the Arnold uh, with one of my lifters that it just literally, as soon as he deadlifted, it just rolled and just stuck into the floor. Yeah, I would really like to see them change that platform because I, I think it's it's not a, only a performance deterrent. Like I, I, like I said, I, I've heard of some people getting injured. Um, I don't know if it had to do – played it all. I don't know if you saw there was the 120-plus guy who tore his pec. Yeah. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Maybe his foot slipped. I'm, I'm speculating there. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was a bit of an issue. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to see that. I mean, I, I don't mind the ER. All the warmth equipment was great. But platform needs something that can actually be able to allow people to have normal leg drive.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, judging, officiating, I think we got to talk about that um it differed from platform to platform as far as what they were calling but again it was consistent the judging was consistent and i don't think i've had a complaint with raw nationals judging or really any like even the arnold judging um in the past and i still don't it was consistent i'm still not a fan of the head judge giving red lights uh, but they did it for every lifter, so I guess they're all on the same playing field. I just don't like when a head judge gives a red light for anything because it's got to be... There was one squat that was noticeably high. They got three red lights. If I was a front judge, I would have gave the red light on because it was noticeably high. But I think anything that's borderline, if you're getting a white light from the side, you shouldn't be getting any red light from the center. So on depth, rack commands are, you know, that's all. That's completely different. But... On depth, I don't think, and I saw that a little bit, but it was on a particular platform, and they were doing that to every lifter. So yep. it was consistent. Yep. It was consistent I, thought, for I thought
1: press commands were really good throughout the meet. I thought they were super fair. People
0: were complaining about that. I didn't think that the press... Uh, no. During my session, they were uh, they were like, man, the press commands are taking forever today. And I was like, okay, let's see what happens on my bench. Uh, even though I had a shitty bench day, it had nothing to do with the press commands. <laughs> it no, had everything to do tricky. with me sucking a bench.
1: You're going to get a longer press command at nationals. Yep. Those weren't excessive by any means. I no. thought they were very fair.
0: Yeah, I thought they even were very fair for
1: a national level meet. Judging overall was great. I had, I had no issue
0: there. Yep. So, All right. And then also ending up, live stream. Live stream views for first session, 59 KG men through 83 KG men, 54,000 live stream views. And it was at 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. It started Eastern time. One, USAPL, I know it was a different year, I understand actually why he had bench at night, but please take them in consideration for next Nationals with primetime, because they can blow those numbers out of the water, and especially with all the other live streams, I think everyone is over 10,000 views, which is pretty damn impressive for a three-hour meet, um, that's always going to be impressive, but that day, the highest one was the, uh, the first session, men, and... That was super early in the morning, and it still got those live stream views way up there. And a lot of people are up watching. My phone blew up. I can only imagine what Russ's phone is doing and, like, Taylor Atwood's phone is doing. If my phone's blowing up of people reposting my squat, I can only imagine what's Mm -hmm. going on with them. Yeah. Maybe maybe consider not having the top lifters and the most popular (laughs) lifters at 8 o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah. And this is why, I mean, obviously some aspects of the 83... Class didn't live up to the hype. Even 74 didn't live up to the hype outside of Taylor. For well, yeah, reason. Taylor nuked
0: okay. everyone. So, like that. Um, which we're going to talk about. It
1: does, hype is good whether it lives up to it or not it is great for the sport because it creates so much more interest in viewing sometimes it lives up to the hype sometimes it doesn't i mean that's that's sports i mean some super bowls live up to the hype and some don't i mean it's it's just kind of what happens sometimes and um yeah i mean it's great i mean that's what we try and do with two white lights is create some hype and i will never apologize for that
0: yeah absolutely um yeah i would uh I would agree the hype helped. Uh, I think the 93s had a bit of an issue with uh, their live stream, so maybe that's why the live stream views weren't as high, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I think ninety three well, we're going to get to all of it, but I do think 93s was the most impressive, most competitive weight class and most entertaining weight class. Uh, if we're going to title it, I'm going to title them right now as being the most uh, entertaining to watch, but also the one oh five as well. Um, and that session, I think, I think the live stream views were still up. I think it was at like twenty four thousand, which is pretty again, pretty ridiculous. But uh, I think there was some issues with the live stream that might have hurt some of the views there. So um, yeah, so that's that's the culture, that's the whole culture thing with USAPL. Giving you a little insight on that now to the recap of Raw Nationals, and we're gonna go session by session. So there was three sessions: Thursday, Thursday, Friday. And, uh, or Thursday and Friday, um, and then on those days there was two sessions. So we're going to go session by session, and we are going to do, uh, of course going, you know, by weight class, but also breakout performers, most impressive lifts, best battles, and athlete to watch. So we're going to do that for each of our sessions, and let's start with session one, which was probably... The most popular, as far as livestream views, most hype goes, and also biggest storylines, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, we had some of the big... I mean, we had the biggest name in the sport with Russ competing there, um, and he lived up to the hype, but um, I mean, we're going to get to kind of most impressive lift. Um, I am going to say it now. I win the battle of who was the most impressive lifter between me and you. While Ashton was highly impressive, I don't think anyone can doubt that Taylor's performance was the performance of the meet on the men's or women's side, or in all of the sport ever.
0: All right, so also, disclaimer, guys. um, This is going to be a little interesting because I didn't see shit on these platforms. I was so lasered into my own performance. I saw legit this. Russ's opening squat, Russ's third squat, Jamar's 700 squat, and that's it. That's all I saw. Taylor Atwood got piss-tested with me. And I was like, so, I'm, so I saw him, I'm like, yo, man, congratulations. Uh, I'm like, what did you total again today? He said, he's like, oh, I totaled 838. I responded with a get the fuck out of here because I did not believe it. I did not believe that he totaled 838 because we were talking about 825 yeah, being that an been incredible. Fantastic. If he totaled 825, that would be the most impressive feet at Raw Nationals. And that's insane for a 74 lift. 8.38, and then he told me to cap it off. He said, well, I'm a little pissed off. I missed my third bench because I would have beat Russ. And I had to take a step back. Like, where the fuck do you get off going 8 for 9, totaling 8.38, and almost out-totaling the best 83 kg lifter in the world? Where do you get off? And... I was amazed in the piss test room because I just, I didn't know that he did that. I didn't know he pulled 750 until, until he told me. Like seven, I I thought I had you at 733, sir. I did not, 750 was in the cards and that is Taylor Atwood. Taylor Atwood, he has transcended the Tom Brady comparison. He is Michael Jordan. He is MJ. He is, no, he is, the Tom Brady, Tom Brady comparison to him is insulting. He is, he is the best player in the league, and that was Michael Jordan his last year. Best player in the league, and that is Taylor Atwood. He is Michael Jordan. He is not Tom Brady.
1: I, I can't disagree. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, we knew Taylor would have something big, but, I mean, realistically, I mean, that so I'm with you. Like I didn't get to watch the session much other than seeing the stuff on Instagram afterwards and then trying to keep in touch so I knew what happened. Because obviously I was coaching during the session. Um from what I know, he hit his third bench too. He just missed the start command or rack command. So he hit I, it. Which, I think he jumped
0: does... I think he jumped a press command because he times it. He does okay. the uh I think he I mean he's always on the borderline with his press command because I don't think I think he kinda gets it like perfectly. And he doesn't rely, He, I think he times it himself. I'm going to have him on the show soon to really ask him about it. But I believe he does it with all of his benches. He kind of, he just kind of tries to time it himself and see how it works out for him. And he could have easily done it. He could have easily beat Rust.
1: Yeah. And so I literally, like like you said, we're gonna, we've are gonna kind of broken this up into four categories. Because um, it, 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 we're trying not to do three episodes again. For the yeah. recap, yeah. we're trying just to cover the main storylines. we got best performer or breakout performer, most impressive lift, best battle athlete squat. For most impressive lift, you can add to this, I've got Taylor's deadlift versus Taylor's squat. While there's definitely some other impressive lifts, I'm not discounting it, literally Taylor's deadlift and Taylor's squat is 1A and 1B of what I consider the most impressive lifts of that session. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure. I'm probably going to go deadlift because I think squat, That when he hit that, I was like, that's crazy, but I I, I can see that happening based off of what he's done. I don't think anyone thought he had 750 on deadlift. No, that that was nope. the one that was like, oh, well, okay, well, well, drop, it's over.
0: Well, it was, I mean, goddamn, I mean, it's bench press too.
1: He just benched 215 and tri- or just a YOLO
0: afterwards. It's all of it. It's all of it. He he carpet bombed the 74s. He just completely he just completely carpet bombed them. Like it was insanity because. I guess he is, I mean, he is Michael Jordan in that sense. He's not Tom Brady because we just gave Perkins a little bit, right? We gave him a little bit like, hey, Perkins got that squat. Perkins got a good deadlift on him. He took all of that personally and set every single record. It's him. He's the record book for 74s by a considerable margin. No one has a lift on him. He is the best at all three. For 83s, you have Russ on the squat, Nori on the bench, me on the deadlift. Taylor Atwood is that lifter, and hell, he could probably take a lot of those lifts in 83 and still be a record holder. Because yeah. 750, mind you, 483s was a long-standing record until I broke it four years after you. You broke it, and he just did it as a 74. And really, did that look too hard? I'm no. worried about my own deadlift record, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I mean, he's a 74, like. He, I, Again, I'm, I'm marveling from it. Uh, he And I, I've said that he's the lifter I want to emulate. Now I think he's got to be everyone's lifter, right? That they want to emulate because yeah. he does everything uh, so effortlessly I mean, and beautifully.
1: It's, it's
0: the only one that
1: could possibly, in my opinion, mean, you got Taylor's meat here, you've got Amanda's meat, which hers was local, so that's a little bit tougher to compare it to. Yeah. And then you've got Ray's was it Arnold performance when he went 24-something? But I, if I'm going, Taylor wins it. I mean, because Taylor, that, that was just, it, it wasn't even.
0: I don't know. I think power, it, powerlifting history. Like, I'm seriously yeah. going into even untested side. I'm, I'm going to transition. It was the best performance ever considering this I don't, people, again, we're talking about totaling 800 kilos in 83 um, two years ago. And we all know that's a little bit old news. And we're going to get to the 83 soon. But 838. He just beat Brett Gibbs. He just beat yeah. Brett Gibbs' best total. If It's it's insanity. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, he's definitely the vocal point And he's being, I mean, this is like, I think he, uh, someone show me the analytics of how much his Instagram blown up. I think he, like, like 15,000, like, more followers. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah so, I, actually, I'm going to point the number out of my ass. I got to actually ask uh, some of my friends about that. But, um. Yeah, I, it was ridiculous. Um, and then really, he just he dwarfed the seventy four so much that I think, uh, you know, I, I still think. Uh, I mean, let's just let's just go to the seventy fours now. Then, uh, if we're on the little perfect segue, that's gonna be a weight class that's gonna be really different going forward because you you definitely have Atwood at the top. I'm gonna interview him. He's gonna do a lot of interviews on King of the Lifts and talk. About, I I don't know if he's moving up to eighty three. It doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like he just, wants to. He just to. reposted
1: that meme from squat meme deadlift and put laughy face emojis. I, yeah. I don't think he's going to. Yeah, I don't he's think he's kind of- going
0: to either. But, like, I, I, I mean, so you would assume he's going to be the guy, 74, come Raw Nationals. Perk, he's not going anywhere. You know, a down meet for him, 790, takes a 10-kilo loss on his total. His crazy ass went to go do single ply the next day or two days later. The kid's crazy. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't do that um, a whole lot uh, more in his career. I will... Uh, punch him in the stomach if he does. But, um, you know, Perk is not going anywhere. But then you look at who's rounding out that division. So you have Michael C., which I felt because, you know, got third. I'm actually happy that he got third because that's a little bit of redemption for him because what happened in the last Raw Nationals, what happened to the Arnolds uh, after that. You know, I think he had his great total in 775 in his last meet. This one, he was battling a ton of injuries, um, I think he wasn't even training for like two weeks prior like yeah he, he was, he, was de- he had a decent decent injury and that's kind of what I mean I don't th- I
1: think he was just kind of showing up and seeing what was there like nothing he hadn't done anything recently in training because um, he had to pull back so much
0: so he you know and he lo- he's moving up to 83 so that you know moves to was one big 74 kilo lifter and all, it makes the 83 kilo uh weight class more competitive then he had pug at fourth which he had a ridiculous max, uh, weight cut. I was a little worried because I didn't see him when we're all weighing in. So I'm like, "Oh no, is he gonna miss weight again?" And you know, they almost had to get the Clippers out and cut the little hair that he has. Not saying that he's uh, like he doesn't have as much hair as me. So I'm like, I don't even know how much weight that carries. Like I don't know what happens if you cut your hair through that uh, to get the weight down. But of course, with that big of weight cut, it's gonna have an effect on your performance. Looks like he's moving up to 83. I think a little bit past due. I think he should have moved up to 83 probably when he missed weight at his last meet, but he wanted to prove something at 74. Then you have Eric LaPointe rounding it out. I think he's going to be within that position, but now you have those two big lifters at 4 and 5 moving up to 83. 83 becomes more interesting. 74s, though, now it's wide open. At first, we were talking 74s in 2019 being the most stacked weight class because it was like, I don't know if you had a 5'12 Wilks, you weren't getting into the top 10. Now, you have about a 525 Wilks you possibly get yourself third and you know what gonna I mean I don't he I don't even think he was expecting reference this episode Michael Cole de Pietro. he is my favorite to be the third best lifter in the 74s in the USAPL if he decides to come back to it
1: yeah I mean it's, it's gonna be wide open 74 is just tough for a lot of people to maintain that's I call that the junior class and then yeah. it's really tough to stay there because as you continue to grow, most people are going to grow out of that weight class. So it just, it just becomes a little bit difficult there. Um, so yeah, I mean, that will be very interesting. Um, I, I think Taylor is just going to want to keep just, 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 I, from what I know, I, I don't think he really has to cut and that's just a really natural body weight form and he really yeah. doesn't want to like have to like force an upper body weight. Cause as well as like, we kind of know, like this is even crazier about Taylor. I think he only trains three days a week a lot of times.
0: Yeah, three or four. He's got
1: a lot of other life responsibilities. It's not like he's like some lifters, like literally they the world champions, they literally just train and that's about it. Um he's got a lot of outside life responsibilities. So like I, I don't think he has possibly the the need or desire or ability to to move up. So yeah. yeah. So, but eighty threes will be interesting. And that kind of leads us to eighty threes. Um so one thing will be interesting is what eighty threes stay eighty threes as well we got two people moving up. I wonder if any of those 83s that competed will still be theirs come next year. I
0: I, I thought the same thing, but really I can't think of one who will move up. Uh, I had had a conversation with Jamar. Uh, We had dinner after uh, Raw Nationals, and it doesn't sound like he wants to move up. Um, Weight class, there's a lot of time, so I don't know. Uh, But, you know, I mean, with his numbers that he hits at a heavier weight, he would be a beastly 93 without the restriction of food. He actually gets to eat normally um, within that 200-pound range, and that's what I say about a lot of things. Like, I think you would be in the same position that you are now, but you don't have to go through the suffering of a weight cut, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a better, you're better off being at that weight because of that. But I, and, and you know, speaking of him, he got a 700-pound squat. Um, it was, a, uh, he found it to be a funny situation, but he held it for 30 seconds, and then Russ came in to take it. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I think, actually, most of the guys here are going to stay. Yeah, I can't think about it. I, I mean,
1: there's. it's not like going up to 93s. We'll get to 93s, but it's not like going up to 93s It opens up any windows. because. Um, but, yeah, I mean, talking about 83s, obviously, Russ showed up. He did what champions do. Yep. Um, I mean, he was, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to hype our predictions on that. We were pretty spot on with about where he showed up. Obviously, he had a little bit more on squad, I think, but that's typically how he plays it because he obviously has two more lifts, and then squatting or benching deadlift, he was more kind of at his kind of maximum, but 843, new uh, unofficial world record, official American record total, dude showed out, no questioning that he is the champion, um, and then obviously second and third place rounding out with two people that I love watching with you and Delaney.
0: Yeah, So I hope people now listen to how good Delaney is. I've been probably a biggest advocate of powerlifting for Delaney Wallace, and he did it. He did the damn thing. Uh, every meet we compete at, he ends up beating me. So uh, hopefully, I can get one over this guy's fucking head for once. But um, really, uh, going back to Russ's performance. Um, so the only li- it was it was a, there's a little insider perspective here. Um, we were all huddled around the monitor for Russ's first squat because we wanted to see if he's going to get depth because we knew the situation in 2019. As soon as he sunk his squat, and as soon as as fast as it moved. I turned to the entire r- warm-up room and kind of Vince carter it like, it's over. I'm like, he's hitting over 700. He's going to go three for three on squat and really, if he goes nine for nine today, uh, Nor- if if Nori doesn't suffer an injury, I don't think Nori's gonna beat that if he goes nine for nine. Like that was th- like I I know after three for three on Russ's squat his chances of going nine for nine are so high that I in my head I'm like he's gonna pull 750. He's got this in the bag. Um, and then once I saw his third squat, I was like, yeah, this pretty much reaffirms everything. So um, we're like, that's what I told the entire warm up room. I'm like, well, it looks like we're going for second today, boys. I'm like, uh, we can, we, we won't have the uh, the tension of the, the, the rust bomb out like it was in 2019. And yeah, he, he straight up killed it. And really he, uh, he, he, he set the statement on squat. And I think that got into uh, that got to a lot of lifters and they know what's, what the deal is. They know what to, they know what to expect with his bent and deadlift.
1: Yeah, that's one thing though. I mean, no, I'm not discrediting Russ by any means. That one thing is tough. Is that it is one lift. So You do have to be careful sometimes because that that's an advantage. Like there's advantage of being the deadlifter and there's advantage of being the squat guy. Yeah, the squat guy gets to set the tone where he almost can demoralize the rest of the field after one lift. But then you've got Angelo who was like I think you were like eighth based off of uh, based off of openers and then you pull in the third yeah so there's obviously always a full meet to go on and it's tough sometimes because russ just makes that statement after that squat, and he just obviously has such a big lead after that squat. it's just always tough for the rest of the field playing catch up after there um and if he gets that deadlift to match what he does in training then, then it's really tough then it's really really tough
0: yeah I would, I would i would actually put most impressive lift his third squat too because how how easily he blew that up so um that was definitely the highlight i think of the 83s um as far as his lifts go um how he did. Uh, unfortunate situation with Sean. Um, hurt his hamstring. I can kind of, again, didn't get to see anything. But when I saw the red go in on 280 on his squat, and then I saw retaking that, I didn't get to see a squat. I don't know if it was depth, but uh, I knew something was up right after that. Like, there's uh, no reason for him to reattempt 280. Second if he
1: attempt, he hit the hole and just completely lost balance. It w- it wasn't even, like, close. It just didn't feel good. So, I mean, little little. I'll give a quick little rundown. He hurt that about three weeks out. Mm -hmm. we had a couple squat sessions that kind of had to be pulled back from that. Um, it actually never affected deadlift. And so come meet day, um, he could feel it as he was warming up, but obviously we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. And come each attempt on squat, he started feeling it more and more. And then after that third attempt, it hurt. But even after that third attempt, we still didn't, I mean, we assumed it wasn't going to affect deadlift. I mean, we still were very much in the assumption that like, okay, we still got a lot left um after bench obviously there's some issues with bench um and after that we still again we're assuming very much we can still deadlift we are still very much in a battle here for second based off of what we we feel like is going to be able to be there on deadlift and then as soon as he started warming he pulled one red on deadlifts and he looked at me he's like that hurt and i was like crap yeah and so we kept warming up because we're like okay let's see if it just stays at that pain level but about four reds he went to go pull it off the floor and couldn't break it off the floor and hurt it even worse um and that's when he started like limping around because he wasn't limping at that point and when he tried to pull that four reds off the floor at 220 um it, it got worse and then that's where we're like okay this just isn't worth it like we're not gonna pull for anything i mean so we just decided to make sure to save it so we didn't literally tear it off the bone. Like He used to use the word tear in his post. It doesn't mean he tore it off the bone by saying the word tear. There's, there's different grades of tear. But we figured if we were going to push any more, we were going to risk a long-term injury versus maybe being back in three weeks or so.
0: Yeah, it was wise. And I think that's what I've been trying to tell people, like, you know, what happened there. And like, well, you know, if he tries to pull 300 kilos, it ends him in ninth or something and a possible terrible hamstring injury. Like, there's, it is, it's not worth it at that point, especially where you're at. It's Raw Nationals. The goal for him is to win. Of course, you want podium, too. But if all those are the cards and you're just going to risk injury pulling for ninth or something, don't even do it. So, yeah, yeah hopefully. I'll say, I I'll mean, say one
1: thing to call some people out, the people on Reddit and Instagram who are saying he's faking it to quit. That level of stupidity. Is only matched by Jr. Smith thinking they were in the lead and running the <laughs> clock out in the NBA Finals. That's the level of stupidity. Yeah, I mean, that was that was only the only. Sean was quitting.
0: That was the only because I you know when we were in this whole media thing, we kind of understand what the backlash is going to be, and I was expecting it. I was solely like, all right, it's you know, I and I know who Sean is as a person because that or Sean or how he is as a lifter, like how he, you know, how he's a social media personality. People are going to say some shit, but, you know, that stuff was dumb, and usually it's from fucking jabronis who don't, who, who don't have any business, uh, they can't even total something that qualifies them for nationals, let alone talk about, you know, placing top three or faking injuries or getting injured at Raw Nationals. So, it's usually coming from some fucking jabroni with, uh, with you know, a, a qualifying total that's not even good enough for USPA nationals, and... That's what you get out of it. So yeah, I didn't like seeing that part of it, but you know, you, you live yeah, by the sword, die by the sword. Can't be, you know, can't be the host of two white lights and <laughs> and get uh, like, hey guys, don't say t- toxic shit. Like you know, we're the oh, pro- I know it's coming. We're the I'm pro gonna, toxic I'm gonna, podcast. <laughs> I'm just, I'm coming back at it. Yeah. So so um, we could do uh, breakout performers. Talk about the uh, other weight classes here, just really quick before we get to best battle. Um, you have Daniel Clemens and, uh, Shahid Bryant. Yeah. Daniel Clemens. All right. 66 kilo champion. He killed it. He, you know, destroyed the competition. Um, and I, I think we're looking at a little start of a dynasty here. I have very high hopes for Daniel Clemens. This dude is a beast. Again, unfortunately, didn't get to see any of his lifts at all because he was competing at like while I was warming up, but, um... You know, I was very confident in him winning the weight class. 66 kilos, too, was interesting because you have Daniel Clemens winning, which doesn't surprise us, but uh, Rodrigo Manzo, the defending champion, big weight cut that affected his performance a lot. Uh, A lot of great handling uh, from the game day crew um, from, you know, kind of really just trying to get him into the competition. Uh, But huge weight cut. I don't think he's ever going to do that weight cut again. Uh, I'm not saying he's moving up. I just don't think he's ever going to cut that much weight. Um, and I think that affected his performance. Uh, Jonathan Garcia, I don't have an – was there a little bit of injuries okay, there? I might be wrong
1: on this. I was – someone told me Jonathan and Rodrigo had decently big weight cuts. Maybe not as big as Rodrigo's, but I I had heard from someone that Jonathan had a decent weight cut. I might be wrong on that. Um, I mean, he didn't total – I mean, he totaled 697, I believe, at that local meet. So it's not – crazy far off, but obviously I don't think 687 is what he expected. I I think even if he had like a perfect day, I don't know if he had Daniel's number, um, or anyone had Daniel's number, because Daniel actually, he totaled 702.5, but that's because he had already won by his second attempt, so he YOLO'd that third. Yeah. Like, I think he jumped what was it, 20, 20 20.5 kilos to his third to go for 318 and get a 700 lift. Like he didn't have to do that. He could have pulled 307.5 and probably easily gotten it. Um, So Daniel definitely has uh, a big lead there. Um, And yes, I believe that there is a bit of a dynasty incoming, but – I mean, the fact of the matter is, is it, it this class does have some depth to it, and I think I'll I'll skip to our other uh, kind of uh, section here. Is athletes to watch is Morgan Aquino. Aquino might say it wrong. Yeah, I saw him after uh, the meet, and I said, "Dude, I am sorry, we yep. slept on you, might <laughs> drop on us, we were wrong." Dude showed up, and I would. I, I would have never thought that dude was going 690 and was beating Jonathan and Rodrigo definitively and being Daniel's biggest competition. He dude got us. Crushed yes.
0: Crushed it. You, you definitely uh, proved us wrong. Um, I'm not going to say we were wrong on not pricking you top three. I'm not going to say that because that, that, uh, that would mean I'm taking back a take and I never do that. But it was good to see him jump in there and yeah, the dude's game, he's a breakout performer and... You know, uh, I think even though I have high hopes for Daniel Clemens as far as being dominant in that weight class, Morgan will be right behind him. Um, obviously, a game competitor, and usually when someone's like, you know, uh, you know, it's one thing to say that you're being slept on, but also to prove to people that you are being slept on uh, is is another thing. So definitely a game performer, excellent lifter, huge upside there. We were wrong. Definitely slept on. Uh, got second, and, a, and actually a quite competitive weight class. Um, it's 66 is, is, is a shark tank. So especially with those top five guys, uh, they're, they're up there. And I think Rodrigo's going to be back stronger and same thing with Jonathan Garcia. So it's, um, I think it's actually going to be pretty, like that's going to be the battle like for next year as well. And going forward is going to be those gentlemen. So we have a new contender in there with Morgan. I think he's, he's starting to pull himself away from the pack. Um, to that one to two spot. So uh, yeah, we were wrong there. Also, uh, Shahid Bryant, 59 kilos. I think that's a weight class that's good for him. He's probably going to grow out of that, but he's again, he's, I think, I think he's a potential multiple time national champion there. And really an IPF Worlds like. Is he, he I, is going to grow enough,
1: but is he going to grow out of it? Cause he weighed in at 57.2 kilos.
0: I know he's just a young lifter. So usually, you know, you hit some sort of weight gain there.
1: I mean, even if like there's, a, weight, there's just obviously... a not a lot
0: of lifters at 59 kilos for a reason.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I just looking at him, I think he's someone who could actually do this for a couple of years versus we see a lot of times one and done at 59, like they can only make the weight class once and then it becomes too much of an issue at minimum. He's going to continue to be able to make this, I think, because it looks like he does. He's, he's still, I don't think has to cut is my assumption, unless he cuts a ton more than he needs to. Um, so I, I see him being able to, to win this class for the next couple of years at, at minimum. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, yeah, we had a, uh, yeah, we had a, uh, and also, I mean, with our predictions here, uh, cause I think we were spot on as far as we were tied on everything too. So, uh, Kurt Navarro, uh, Grab that third spot there. Um, yeah, great.
1: Nine for nine. Great performance. I mean, he did everything we thought he would going with that big deadlift. And then Mikey Coons brought that squat back. He's had a couple kind of down meets and hit the American record squat.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, very uh, interesting there with the 59s. Um, we can move on to best battle here. Um, so you have uh, me and Deuce, which, again, super quick. Just a little disclaimer. I had no idea who the hell I was pulling for for third. I thought, was, I actually, I'm like, I didn't know if it was Delaney, I didn't know if it was Jamar, I didn't know if it was Deuce, I had no clue until I pulled it, and then I asked Joe, I'm like, wait, just for clarification, we got third place, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, who did I beat? He's like, Deuce, I'm like, oh, cool. I had no what? idea. Like the entire competition, especially during deadlift, I actually thought Russ hit a 738 deadlift. I just didn't see it. I, I just didn't wasn't paying attention. I actually thought he had it mainly because he had a big smile on his face afterwards. But yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah, apparently there was a uh, there was a little uh, uh, numbers game for yeah, third place. So there.
1: yeah, so I knew a little more about that because after obviously Sean took that token lift, Joe came up to me and said, "Hey, you you want to be Team Angelo for the rest of the meet and do my number crunching for me?" So, because uh, Joe actually had like five people in that session, so he was a bit busy. So I was actually doing the number crunching back there on based on if John made his lift or missed it, if Delaney made his and missed it, or whatever it may be. And obviously, we saw you, Joe just put in like a a placeholder at like three fifty or three sixty or something. Three
0: sixty, because everyone was and like, "Man, so we I thought you were going to go." It for it.
1: We saw John missed his, Delaney hit his, so we knew based off of that you needed three fifty four point five to pull into that third place spot, and it went down. I mean, you beat him by yet chip. I mean, literally you beat him by 0.5. That chip was everything you need because he had you on body weight.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. The, he beat me on good lift points, which I'm a little bit soft about. You, yeah.
1: He beat you on good lift score. He had body weight advantage. So you had to chip him by a half kilo. So it came down to that and you pulled in the third and literally, I mean, top three at 83 is just something to be said because of how, how crazy that, I mean um, it, it went from no one other than Sean, Brett, and you had ever totaled over 800 kilos to, all top four people total over 800 kilos
0: now. We, we got to put breakout performer, we got to put Delaney Wallace there. Um oh, yeah, too, yeah. Because he got second and again, like he goes just goes so under the radar in a lot of these circumstances. And it could be because he's a team flex athlete. And when you're a team flex athlete and 83s, you have Russ there. But Delaney is going to contend for Russ next year. You know, I, I, like, I. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people now that's actually in the 83s that are going to contest next year for us, because I think we're starting to build a little bit more momentum. Uh, people are consistent. Delaney is as consistent as they come. Again, like I said at the beginning of when we drew this whole recap, I've been such a believer in Delaney from the get-go, uh, and he's proving it to everyone, but I still, again, like I, I wonder when um, it's really going to come to where he's like the perennial number two guy and one of the best 83s, because... He killed it. Went over eight twenty. Uh, even miss, missed missed the third squat, and he was still able to do it. His deadlift has pr- improved dramatically. That seven eleven pull was fantastic, um, and that was something he really struggled with was a deadlift. And now he's over seven hundred and gaining a little bit of momentum on that too. So you know, hopefully, hopefully we cross cross paths again where I can actually beat him. Hopefully, uh, him and I. I don't know if he wants to do the Arnold, but. Um, that that might be the meat for us that I could actually try to beat him for once, cause it's been two straight meets. Arnold and this one, where he's told me I'll total me my fifteen kilos. So yeah, he's definitely deserving that second place spot. Uh fantastic performance, fantastic lifter. The future of that eighty three kg division is gonna be insane, especially because I went third and I had a five forty eight Wilks or dots. Five forty eight dots, third place in my weight class. Shit's moving. Shit's getting crazy. So, Uh, just
1: just straight up with Delaney, as Sean's coach going into this meet, I was more worried about Delaney than Russ. And that doesn't mean I didn't think Russ was going to do what he did. It's that I I, kind of had an idea what Russ was going to do. And I knew that Sean, plausibly, if things went the way we wanted to, what he needed to do beat Russ. I had no idea what Delaney was going to do. I was very worried about Delaney coming up that back end and, and like us having to defend while trying, obviously that didn't play out like I thought it would. So it never became a thing I had to worry about, but I was very, I was more worried about Delaney and what we might have to kind of worry about there. And that's even going to be a bigger thing next year.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: With both you and Delaney continuing to come up because that, that that gap's going to keep closing to where um, we might have a four-way battle next year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I would um, yeah, I would definitely throw him in there as far as a uh, breakout performer, and yeah, it's gonna be interesting come next year. The eighty threes are looking strong; they're bright. Uh, I think from one to ten now, it might rival the ninety three. Even though people probably consider the eighty three the most competitive weight class going into Raw Nationals, I think coming out of it, ninety three is up there. But next year with the new additions from seventy four, I think eighty threes is probably gonna be more uh more contested than ninety threes, or at least more uh. Uh, competitive as far as just what what you need to do in order to be top five because if you're not totaling 800 right now you're probably not going to be a top five lifter because Sean ain't going anywhere the guy's guy's gonna be back and he totals 825 so he still has the second best total right now just as far as you know um as far as totals go in 2021 so that means if you're not totaling 800 you're not top five and that's ridiculous Uh, And it's only going to get better from there. So, uh, very interesting to see what happens. Um, That'll do it for session one, unless you have something to add. Only one I'll throw in there is the – I didn't get to watch it, but
1: the battle between Morgan and Jonathan Garcia was pretty good too. Yeah. Um, Jonathan tried – I think they both tried to pull for the win with the – like, based off of – what's his name? Uh, Clement's second attempt. And they both missed. But they both were – I mean, that could have – since they were both pulling for the win, it kind of muddied that second and third. But it would have been interesting if, if Clements had distanced himself a little bit more to see Morgan and Jonathan battle for second. Because they very well probably could have went back and forth or kind of pulled for second on that third attempt if they weren't kind of trying to reach for that first or first place. So that definitely a battle there between those two. And that was very interesting. So I put that as kind of like behind you and you and uh john as the the second biggest battle in that weight class of people actually going back and forth with the temp selection so
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure uh yeah again like this is a little interesting because i was not able to see most of these lifts um it's a shame uh but at the same time it was awesome to compete uh within these guys uh with 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 these uh people we were talking about so all right that's gonna do it for session one probably gonna be the most we talk about aside from an 893 because that was insane but yeah it's um it was definitely the most storylines there Going on to Session 2 on that very same day, Uh, that was 47 kilos through 69 kilo women, and I think if we're trying to find a lead with that day, where would you start? Because I think most people would go with Heather, I think being, you know, always the person in contention for best overall female lifter, but for me, I start with Chandler Babb and Andrea Riley. Because it's, it's I, I Andrea Riley wins a weight class that has been dominated by one lifter for a bit now, and Chandler Babb executed where she pulled away easily on the sixty nines. That was the only thing. It's like okay, we have her as a favorite. Can she execute? She did, and I all right. I I I don't see a whole lot of lifters kind of challenging her for a little bit there.
1: Because Heather, I mean, if you're taking like just straight up performance, Heather had the best performance in this session. But we kind of expected that she did pretty much what we all figured she was going to do in a great way, and she really wasn't challenged too much. And again, she's just she continues to dominate this class. Um, yeah, I would probably put Chandler Babb as the one that stuck out to me in this because she dominated that class, mm-hmm. um, and that was a class up for grabs, and she dominated it. It wasn't, it, and it was a total that. If she's going to Worlds against Kim Walford, that's a battle. And, again, like, if Kim Walford was in national still, we'd be talking about her as one of the GOATs and one of the best lifters in all of USAPL. Chandler Babs right there with her. Mm-hmm. And it's – I mean, she's still a relatively unknown. Um, yeah, it was incredible. 530 kilo total, um, 237.5 kilo deadlift to finish three for three there. Absolutely huge. And, and the fact is, like, this, this whole day outside of Heather was new champions. We had Andrea Riley – um, winning the 52-kilo class. We have Brittany Stuplicki winning the 57-kilo class, and then Chandler taking home um, the 69. Just a lot of new faces coming on the scene here um, for the women in these lower weight classes.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I would ag- I would agree with you. I think Chandler Babb stuck out to me the most. Uh, and actually, when we get to Worlds, it's going to be interesting because I don't know what the international play looks like for this new weight class. Like, I just don't know how it looks with 69 i mean there's 76 there's a little bit more of a clear picture with Jessica Butner but 69 I, I just i is Leah going 63 or 69 cuz she's done both i think she's trying to stay at 63 i would assume so okay yeah that's where i mean that's where the the big competition is right yeah In 63 so i would i would assume she's saying she's i don't know i got to listen to that king of list podcast apparently she weight cuts like ooh. Pretty Leah? big one there, so yeah. Leah
1: Leah weight cuts a decent amount, so
0: maybe maybe it's just one uh, one more for uh, Sam Calhoun and uh, Cloro's sake. But uh, yeah, Laya I think will really have to. Uh, she has her word cut out with her as far as like the weight cut goes, but she's definitely the best in 63 right now. Um, yeah, I, I mean I same thing with got... I mean Sam Calhoun too. Like you look at Sam Calhoun in the 63s, like you always expect her to win, right? So, but you know, I, I mean, I, I guess going to the 63s. Uh you got Jen Thompson moving up to second there. I think that's fantastic to see, uh the return of one of the best in powerlifting kind of moving up to second. Uh Jen Milliken in third, but also me being right on the uh on the little pick there. And actually having yeah, to eat my words against Jennifer Milliken later that night when I saw her. It was, yeah. or I add, she's like, wait, you're the host of Two Eye Lights, right? I'm like, yeah. She's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> was like, Sorry. It was a really
1: close battle. I mean, Jen, uh, I, I got to watch a little bit of that. I watched, I think, some of the squats and some of the deadlifts um, for the women in this class. I was kind of intermittently going back and forth through my Airbnb. Um, Jen was close on that 188. If she had hit that 188, it would have been a lot closer of a battle going in the deadlifts. Um, and then obviously Jen Thompson, she tried to pull for the win. And it'll be interesting because she's hit 207.5 before in, in a meet. If she could pull 207.5 and go 500 kilos, she could come back and start challenging Sam at some of these nationals soon. Sam keeps chipping it, and I think she, she went 502.5, and I think she she I don't want to say she reached for her third deadlift, but I think since she knew she had it wrapped up, she took an attempt just to see if she can hit the American record. But, yeah, that battle, all three of them are not going away. I think some people kind of look at Sam as kind of dominating this class for long term, and she's incredible. But I think it is worthy to note that I don't think the gins are done. They they are not done.
0: For sure, I think they're going to continue to compete. They're going to compete hard. But I think another contender in the 63, Jordan Pantone, pulled 500 the same week that uh, they they took place. So I think that's going to be the person that kind of gets in there. We had Nat,
1: we'll go back, we'll, well, I'm skipping around, but we had Natalie Richards, too, would have, now, it's obviously a different meet, so we can't say she is the champion by any means, but she out-totaled every one of the 57s. And we've got Celine Crum moving up to 63.
0: Yeah, so that that weight class is going to be very interesting when Ron Nats rolls around, too. And then, if you want to go, it, actually, we didn't do a Carolina primetime recap, might as well do it right now, Um, uh, Metzinger, Schmetzi. Mm-hmm. She would have took second at fifty two with her total.
1: Yeah, I mean that Carolina prime time ended up being a very, very I mean, we knew it was an awesome beat, but there were some big there were some performances podium, there that, even pe- the raw nationals would have switched some things up.
0: Yeah, it was podium positions. We're talking, especially on the female side, Natalie Richards, uh, Celine Crum, and Serene Metzinger. Like they all could have podiumed if they would have. I think Brandon in. Petra gets third. Does he? Or fourth.
1: Fourth. Fourth. I think he yeah. Gets fourth.
0: Yeah, and he's up there with two with ninety-threes. So yeah, you definitely had a crazy breakout performances uh with um, with the Carolina primetime. And yes, where it's interesting, uh uh yeah, we, we talked about Andrea Riley getting into the fifty twos. Um interesting interesting developments there. Tino Tornado took seconds, which actually if we have a category for just like comeback lifter Going from those injuries and getting second place is still pretty impressive. Uh, actually, you know, surpassed what I thought with Jamie Fisher, who, uh, note to the live stream commentators, wasn't there just to bench. She was there at a podium and potentially win. Uh, I think the live stream commentator said something like, oh, you know, he's just here just to bench. And that was insane that the person said that. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's, she's one of the top 52s, she's top three, um, uh, and also, it's a considerable margin when you look at three to four, like, she, it was, it was very clear, like, four elite level lifters in the 52s, with Marissa Inda, I think she was battling injuries, apparently, throughout yeah, prep. She,
1: I don't know if it was, how recent it was, or, I think, it's, I think it was very recent, she re-injured her back, and that's kind of what happened there come deadlift time, but if you get Marissa at full strength, you bring in, uh... Uh, Sarian. I don't know if I'm saying it right. We've got five lifters there they are going to battle it out for years to come. Now, I know Andrea, obviously she won. She did phenomenal, but I think she was open with saying that's not what she expected me performance-wise. I don't know if there was variables of a, like a larger weight cut that kind of zaps some of her strength from training that we saw, because she obviously was putting up some numbers in training that were, were decently above this. But I, I know that she, she mentioned in her, her follow-up post that she, she knew she was capable of more. So I'll be very interested to see, because I, I think she definitely has room to grow off of this total and separate herself in this class. But even with that, I mean, we've got five people in this class that are going to make this a very interesting battle for the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to see the 52s. Actually, within the six right now, with all these weight classes, I think from the lower weight classes, you're really starting to see some uh, some lifters come up who are on the rise. And I think, um, I mean, I mean, really, with the battles throughout the entire day, even when you go to the uh, when when you go to the uh, 57s, yeah. yeah,
1: I mean that was the best that was the best battle to me on the day with Brittany versus Megan. And you, you said comeback athlete. I put Tina's comeback was amazing. I'm going to put her second in the comeback award to Megan because that was unreal. I have no idea how she came back and hit that third deadlift after that. second. Yeah, deadlift, did a it, didn't even break, it didn't even break the floor. And I was like, eh, it's this kind of game over. Then Brittany missed her second and lost balance. I was like, Whoa, okay. And then Megan came back, absolutely grinded out that third. And then Brittany had, the, I don't know, that was insane. That was insane on all ends. I know. So Brittany, um obviously i don't we didn't know this um she got hurt about 2 or 3 weeks out she hurt her hip
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and that's kind of what you saw in squats with her numbers being down a good deal but that doesn't discredit all i mean megan scanlon um i was a doubter in the sense that i just i just figured it was going to be very very hard for her to come back from 7 months ago having a child um and being able to put on the performance she did but holy cow that was incredible that i mean i could argue in the sense of what she came from in the last seven months that was my that was that that performance impressed me more than anyone in all of raw nationals
0: i mean really when you look at the that weight class too it was it was really i mean that's what raw nationals is um it's just to win raw nationals you know you don't know what's going to happen on the day you don't know what's going to happen as far as like how you feel how it's going to fatigue you the speed of the meet is different from all the other meets, it's very, very fast-paced meet, and, you know, you take what's there, and you still play for positioning, and it's just gutsy, it's gritty, and what Brittany and Megan did was both that, gutsy and gritty, because they were just going back and forth on who's going to win, Brittany edged her out just a bit, and it was just through, and it was through a rough performance, but she did it, she's a national champion, and, you know, we're gonna we're definitely gonna see them you know uh, in the future as far as this competition goes but yeah and also um, I mean with uh, with the uh, I'm looking right now at the uh, 57s here you got you got more young competitors in there with Allie Weinberg. Allie,
1: Allie Weinberg was right there. I mean I don't I don't regret at all picking her second because she's there. Like I mean if Megan didn't come back and have that unbelievable pull – Allie takes second. So th- those three are very much in the mix for years to come. And obviously we're adding in Natalie Richards to that. Um, if she competes at nationals next year.
0: Um, so yeah, all three of those had and fantastic also, days. And also Caitlin Berry, he's like 21. Yeah. <laughs> so. Her bench was, her
1: bench of uh, 116.5 at 21 years old.
0: Yeah. So you have, you have her, you have her in there and the rounding out the class with uh, Mariah Bolden there too. So, you know, it's again, some real heavy hitters yeah. in the 57. And a year for Christina Paracsi to heal up. Yeah. Oh, my God. We almost, yeah, almost forgot there. Like, the actually, we talked about grit and guts with all the other competitors. That's I mean, probably. She did.
1: I mean, we, we, we figured she couldn't bring together a top three performance necessarily at this point. She did better than I. 4.15 is better than I figured. That was incredible. Yeah. Like, for her to do that, like, like, three months post-surgery or something like that. Um, I mean, I fully expect next year limping for her to be right when I now, saw her.
0: Now. Limping at Perfect Storm when I saw her bench. Just ridiculous. And limping at the Leffler Bros uh, get-together after afterwards, too. Uh, with a with Corona in her hand, though. So that always makes uh, everything a little better. A Corona in the hand. And uh, <laughs> uh, that always makes knee injuries uh, kind of go away. I'm not condoning drinking. I'm just saying it helps. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, that's that's again when we get back when we start seeing more competitions. The Arnold's the next big USAPL one. Probably gonna see some local meets in the meantime. Um, it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see that uh, weight class kind of play out. Um, so we just talked about that best battle, but then we had a what was it three way tie for second place with the 69 kilo women. Yeah, I I unfortunately, I didn't get to see, I think I was watching the
1: Brittany versus Megan battle while the battle for second was going on. So I don't know fully how this went down. But you had Claire Zai, Kristen Dunsmore, and Gabby Martinez all pulling for second place on those third attempts. So Claire, based on looking at the numbers, Claire hit her third, solidified the 500 kilo total. Um, And then it looks like, I guess, I think, Kristen and Gabby, I think, were trying to pull in to first place. Is what I believe they were doing um, before Chandler went and upped. Hell, what? I guess I'm kind of confused there because Chandler already had a 525 total, and Kristen would have been pulling the 512 point. I would have been pulling to 10. So I guess I'm kind of confused on kind of what the battle was there, but all I know is they all literally tied at 500 kilos and it was just came down the body weight and that's how Claire won Yeah, and got second place. So I don't, I don't know if you have more, I, I need to go back and actually watch that live stream. I haven't had a chance yet to know exactly kind of what the attempt selection strategy there and kind of what was happening. Um, but yeah, there was, they were all nope. go, I mean, I was watching the kind of the lifting cast. I was, I was going around all day. Um, they were all going back and forth based off a of projected total of who was getting second. Um, and I think Gabby kind of had the subtotal lead going into it. And then Claire kind of really came through on deadlifts um, and, and was able to solidify that second place finish. So big battle there where it was it a was three way tie for second place.
0: Yes. And uh, all right. So, and again, another hands up here Gabby Martinez. We overlooked you. We didn't mention you on the Two White Lights Breakdown show. Um, probably should have. Uh, the qualifying total kind of threw us for a loop. I think where what it was because a great single ply lifter is Gabby Martinez, and the qualifying total was put way low, but we probably should have took her single ply total that she had at collegiate nationals. Um, to just know the carryover is probably going to be there at least for a podium position. And yes, overlooked you definitely jumped into that spot, uh, into the fourth. I apologize. Uh, looks like with, especially with her age, With her, you know, getting into that class, I think definite podium position for years to come for Gabby Martinez. Uh, Then you have Jasmine Adrogo kind of rounding out that fifth spot. So uh, 69 kilo, new weight class, a lot of competition. I think even prior to us doing the uh, Raw Nationals roster, we were kind of forecasting that being one of the more stacked weight classes with, uh, you know, former national champions in there, a lot of up-and-comers, and... and, um, but Chandler Babb with the biggest projected total, and she went out there and killed it with her deadlifts. Her deadlift is legitimate. Uh, probably one of the best lifts of that session, um, coupled with, uh, of course, Heather Connor's deadlift. Yeah, I mean, I think Chandler Babb, she placed
1: fourth in all women based off a of good lift score behind Amanda, Heather, and Bonica. So just to show you how good Chandler was on the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean surpassing um, Sam Calhoun. and
1: and at sixty, we'll get to seventy six. But sixty nine and seventy six, the new weight classes, they did this, they didn't disappoint. They showed why they were needed. Yeah, because we had some really really good lifters in both of those weight classes. Um, I think we got one more thing to cover. Maybe you have more, but I got one more. We're talking about people over, we overlooked, and Gabby Martinez, Tiffany Luong.
0: Yeah, I mean, but we now I like Gabby Martinez. I know her. I. Didn't know Tiffany, I'm going to put my hand, didn't know who she was, and she comes in and takes third and 47s, um, and a little bit of a battle for third, too. I know Denise Juarez, um, potentially some uh, some some calls there didn't go her way uh, for, uh, apparently the judging wasn't fantastic for a lot of lifters, but it was consistent, it was, it was strict for all the 47 kg lifters, um, where she was in fourth, but... Yeah, Tiffany Wong, uh third place we did it. We uh I believe Demetrius Thayton was our second uh, was uh which was that both of our second picks? Yep. And then we had yep. Leah Goldring as third, and Tiffany Wong just came Cohen. out of nowhere. I think
1: Kate must have gotten hurt on squat because she ended up passing mm-hmm. on bench and bets.
0: For Oh yeah, and Kate Cohen. Yeah, that was I I don't have any in, uh inside information on that too. Again, I was coming right off of uh, getting a P test, so I missed a lot of that. So right when this competition started, when I got back to the place, um, they were they were into their bench presses and deadlifts. So uh, I don't know exactly what happened to Kik, yeah. But forty-seven really turned into um, a, a little bit of a competition that we weren't expecting. I, aside from Heather becoming the clear winner, uh, Demetrius Thayton, both of us are really confident with her going into uh to be one of the podium position lifters, and I think a future is very bright for her. A fantastic lifter. But third place, you know, we have this lifter that we didn't mention on the Two White Lights preview show, um, and we had uh and we you know on a few of our picks there didn't uh didn't really pan out. I think Leah Goldring, weight cut, some injuries in there. She got hurt. She posted something about. If she posted on her story, I wanna actually I actually gotta inquire what that was because I the way she did it, exact same thing happened to me, like a while ago in powerlifting, where I could just see that little like pop and then you dropping the weight. I actually did it on the uh, on the rack in. So I gotta ask about that as far as like what that injury is. But um as far as her future goes, don't know if she's gonna stick in forty sevens or try to be fifty two. Uh kind of on the hover there within that weight class. Yeah, I'm sure she could I mean, her coming in healthy,
1: she's going to be very, very competitive in that weight class. I think she just – Um, We mentioned in the preview show, I think she had had some ups and downs in prep. It looked like she had some ups leading into the meet, but I mean, just, I mean, it's raw nationals. A lot of people are doing a lot of things coming to the meet that are putting themselves to an extreme and and sometimes those little injury bugs pop up. So unfortunately for Kate and Leah, they just couldn't quite have the day that they possibly could have been capable of, but that doesn't discredit Tiffany for bumping in there and and taking advantage and and hitting her lifts to be able to get third place and and pull into that when we were overlooking her.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. So. That'll do it, uh, I guess, for session two, unless you have anything else to add.
1: No, I think that's about it. I think we covered most of it.
0: All right, sweet. So, Friday, session one, that was 76 kilo women through 84 kg plus women. And I think breakout performers for those two two days, of course, Bonica, Bonica Brown, Bonica Brown, Queen B, I apologize for mispronouncing your name. Hopefully you're listening to this. I almost did it again. It is a habit I'm trying to break. Bo Brown, I'm going to say it like five times to myself as the episode goes, so I do not mispronounce it. Bo Brown uh, and Amanda Lawrence competing in that. Those are the best lifters um, when you look at that session, and they've been dominant for a long time. They're the two most dominant uh, in the weight class. Amanda Lawrence, best female lifter, and... It's kind of insane that he's able to win best female lifter with not going nine for nine. That's yeah, exactly. how far ahead she is right now.
1: I didn't know this because I, I don't know if she was open about it until after. It sounded like she had a little bit of a hip injury, Amanda going into it. So that's kind of where squats had a little bit of a downtick. But she obviously came in clutch on that second attempt. Um, they obviously knew exactly what she needed to pull on that second to, to chip Heather's good lift score to win best overall lifter. And so, yeah, I mean, Amanda was the best lifter of the meet,
0: even with kind of a down day, which is still amazing. Yeah, um, it's, so. it's, it's, it's incredible what she does. She's actually coming on Two White Lights tomorrow. We're going to have okay, an interview awesome. with, yeah, with Amanda Lawrence. I could ask her a little bit about that. And also just where the motivation lies, because winning best overall, I mean, obviously destroying her weight class, but also winning best overall female lifter um, with a kind of a down meet um, is Ridiculous. It's amazing. It, it is incredible. And, you know, Heather was definitely gunning for that. And she still came up short. Like, it's still crazy to see Amanda Lawrence do that. So, um, yeah. yeah, fantastic uh, performance from right. her. Since
1: we're on 84s and Amanda, we'll go one of the best battles in all the women's classes was Kenya Webb, Margaret Hampton, and Keona Peak. That all came down to that final deadlift. Um, I, I watched that one. Uh, live. Kiona went 225 to try and pull the 515, and she unfortunately missed it. So then it gave the chance for Margaret to go 235, got her to 517.5. And then Kenya, both of these were all out grinders, she pulls 240 to tie Margaret, win on body weight, take home second place confirmed i am her favorite host of two white lights i'm just gonna put that out there yes yes I, hopefully you were told that as well i believe when you guys went out later that night i was um, i am I, her favorite host and i'm gonna take that to the grave
0: all right i was yeah for sure um i was sold that we had beef and uh yeah i was wrong about that uh k web uh definitely showed out i think the big berry cup performer former of the 84 uh kg weight class and possibly of that session as well fantastic some room too S- yes super strong room. lifter Super strong, because she was
1: the, obviously she had signed up for seventy six and then went eighty four because she weighed in light. I mean, she weighed eighty one kilos, so she's got some serious room to grow. I mean, Margaret Hampton is someone who's been a top level competitor for a while and just kind of hasn't had that limelight yet. So I'm really happy it's just, she got. that. It's so
0: hard in eighty four. That's it. It's like yeah, it's, you it's get so hard to do it.
1: Amanda, and the fact of the matter is, is take Amanda away and these women are unbelievably competitive. It's just you've got this extreme outlier in Amanda that makes it look like. These uh, it, it, it takes away a little bit from just how great Kenya Margaret and Kiona did at that meet with those five ten plus kilo totals. I mean, they just they were fantastic there.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 such a huge disparity. It's over hundred kilos, um, and yeah, it was you know a, a big second place victory there. Uh, uh, Margaret Hampton, fantastic lifter, elite level lifter. Uh, Keona Peak. Also, I, I actually made a lot of beef in the 84k division because uh, Keona Peak was not happy that I didn't that I also didn't pick her third. Um, I mean, I'm i tied with Gina Hensley, but um, Keona, I made enemies out of Keona Peak and K-Lab. Um Keona Peak has. Oh God, one of the things- I mean, if we're gonna have another award, Keona Peak has the greatest deadlift video of all time. Yes, you guys gotta check that out. I might yes, post that greatest- on the story.
1: I demand that her dead, all deadlifts from now on are done in the same manner her and I assume her husband do them because it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Yes, but yes, about, yeah. Get Devin, game.
0: get Devin in the background holding that sign always. And you know what? Just I will pick you for first next year if you do it. I'm saying you're beating Amanda Lawrence, Kiana. So
1: kudos. I'm gonna give one kudos here to 84. Why this class turned out as competitive and as, as much battles we did. If I'm looking at the top six competitors, Amanda, Kenya, Margaret, Kiana, Jinli, and Erica. Every single one – I take away Amanda. Amanda went six for eight. She skipped her third dead. Second through sixth all went eight for nine or better. They hit their lifts. Mm-hmm. Any one of those people missed some lifts, and that isn't a battle anymore. So kudos to all those lifters. I mean, Margaret going nine for nine, Kenya going eight for nine, kiono going eight for nine, Gina going eight for nine, Erica going nine for nine. That was a rarity. You, you see a lot of reds, especially – I mean – a lot of reds throughout all these battles, because that's kind of what happens at nationals. And, and those women came and executed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I, I guess I, I mean, it's almost like it's a, I guess it's like the 74s, if you will, like with Taylor Atwood, just someone dominating the weight class so much that you're just looking at who's going to try to rise up and be within that second place spot. But I mean, when someone's out totaling a hundred kilos, it's really hard to, you know, put into the perspective, but, I, I still think battles for you know third place are awesome uh to watch and I'm excited to see what uh what what's in store for that weight class as it comes on but also circling back to 76 um you know we have I, I we I guess I actually you know what if we're gonna go uh our biggest comeback or best redemption it was awesome seeing Jasmine Penn win the weight class. And get her third deadlift and actually get her redemption in getting rid of that two red lights and having an overturn to a two white lights lift and get her that first place. Even though she would have had it on her second attempt uh, because um, uh, Dana McNeil in the greatest grinder of all time. Yeah, I think it beats Tina Tornado the best grinder of the meet.
1: Eight, 18 sticking points on that lift. Yet somehow she still almost got I it. I thought, I, and I, I thought
0: she. I'm like, okay, it's not happening. When she got it to her, her about her shin, I'm like this isn't happening. I'm like, oh, she and is it sticking got it with, with this. her knees,
1: and then it kind of got to her thighs. Yeah, and I was,
0: like, and she was, cow. yeah, she was just trying to lock it out too. But uh, you know, she missed that lift unfortunately uh, because it was like the greatest grinder of all time. You know, the, the, there was a feeling in the crowd that she was about to get robbed again. Jasmine Penn on that last deadlift. Uh, the, the middle judge, I think, called Hitching. And Joe Stanek was with me and was like, please have Michael C. challenge this. Because with that Hitching call, that there was no Hitching there. And the jury probably saw that. They probably had a, a, a clear view, just as clear as the view as it had Judge. They overturned it. She got a two white lights lift. She has that redemption. Best birthday gift ever. A redemption meet where she probably should have won her weight class at Raw Nationals prior. She wins her weight class this time. Um, and it was great to see. I'm a big Jasmine Penn fan, and he's your 76-kilo champion. So,
1: some even crazier about how amazing that was, um, I was coaching in the session, Autumn Green, in the 76. Um, shout out to her. She got fourth, 500-kilo um, total. We were warming up with Jasmine. It was me and Jasmine and Autumn and Michael C on a warm platform. Jasmine's second to last warm-up, her back spasmed, and she literally went into like, like she locked up and couldn't move. There was like three people having to hold her because she literally, she couldn't lay down, she couldn't stand up, completely seized up. I mean, from my perspective, I was like, oh, my gosh. She's going to have to go pull a token opener. And so uh, she got up and started walking around. I know Michael went and changed her opener down a little bit because she was supposed to open at 195 and they dropped it to 190, 175. I believe she got around, it, it calmed down a bit. She went and pulled another warm up, went out there, and then did what she did. Like, yeah. I, I, if you, if I, when I saw that, if you would have, said 100 bucks. she goes out there and pulls for the win and pulls two twelve. I would have said you are out of your mind there's no way she she can't move right now
0: yeah um and she was unreal, limping unreal, address, unreal in
1: every aspect of that of what she was able to accomplish that l- day
0: limping at, when i saw her outside uh you know i congratulated her and she was limping 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 so yeah it took everything for her to win and it's great to see you know it was a great really for both of them, for Michael C. and Jasmine Penn. You know, a little bit of redemption there. I think the biggest redemption, though, with Jasmine Penn. Great to see her on the podium. Uh, but at the same time, Dana McNeil, probably the breakout performer as well as someone you have to look out for in the 76-kilo division.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had talked about her. I mean, because she had done it, the, the weight cut when the original 76-kilo meet seemed to affect her a bit. But obviously, she actually came in fairly underweight here at 73.75. So obviously, she has now been able to kind of acclimate to this weight class. And that was a huge performance. I mean, uh, especially come deadlifts, Like you said, I mean that if Jasmine hadn't got that overturned and Dana had locked that third deadlift out to win, that may have been one of the greatest pulls for a win ever in history. Mm-hmm. Um, the guts on that one was in- incredible. And then I'll give a, while we're on this class breakout performer, I don't think anyone's really talking about it, but I probably know about a little bit more because we were in a battle for third all day with her. Maria Daly, I believe is only 19 years old. She just competed two months ago and added, I believe, 25 kilos to her uh, to her total since collegiate nationals, and it wasn't that hard. No. Um, and she has three kilos to spare to grow into this weight class. I I expect her to be challenging for the win next year.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, and uh, that's a person who, someone actually sent me her videos, just doesn't care about social media just like can okay, well, it's out of the midland
1: thing a lot of the Midland people they do the all college, right so they... I, I don't
0: think it's allowed that's the thing I got to get more clarification Maybe, okay. from this because Maybe there are allowed, people but... who obviously at Midland care about social media right or are active on it they just can't post their stuff I think I think it's one of the strategy things to go into meets um because I think everyone that we've seen uh, but they're they there they are I mean they do they are somewhat active on it in a way but yeah, I just, I mean, just really based off what I see is, yeah, uh, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't have the social media presence, and I think um, 19 years old, going to be a future champion of this division, um, and again, new weight class means a whole lot of different opportunities there for a lot of lifters, and really, you know, speaking of opportunities, uh, we had Daniela Mello being the favorite here. Doesn't make weight. Opens the door for a lot of lifters. Um, don't know exactly what the future is for her. Um, dude, I woke up that morning, hungover a little bit, but uh, I woke up that morning, and I got just a bunch of messages like, "Of where's Daniela? What happened to Daniela? I'm like, guys, I don't fucking compete in 76 kilos. I'm not at the weigh-ins. I'm not in the warm-up room. Why are you asking me about these things? I'm sorry. Two White Likes is not in this situation where we're journalistic just yet. I don't have a press pass or anything. There's no press pass to exist in the USAPL where I can go into the warm-up room with a pass. I don't know. Uh, but it, it was a uh, just miss weight. Very, as simple as that, guys. Whenever you don't see someone lift, just assume it's probably Miss weight. And pretty big weight cut she had to take. So it, it happens. And... You know, hopefully, we find her on the platform soon.
1: Yeah, um, I believe I believe the plan is to get pretty quickly into a meet. Um, I, I would fully expect her to be competing by the end of this year to to do what she's she's capable of at seventy six. And and so I feel for her. Obviously, I, she went there planning to compete and planning to to go for a national championship. And the one thing I'll say is, like, obviously, she was going to have to cut a lot, so her numbers were probably going to come down a bit. It probably it probably would have been a decently close battle with her and Jasmine. If Daniel yeah. had made weight, I mean, credit
0: to Jasmine. I mean, I, I, it would probably have been pretty close. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, we'll see. Of course, if you're a national champion, you got to defend it. So Jasmine, of course, there's Worlds. Uh, you know, in September, that was announced. I uh, actually we didn't break down too highlights at all because it was been it was coincidentally during Nationals week that they announced it. Coincidental, just a huge coincidence that they did that, but. um uh so worlds is happening so that's what jasmine penn is thinking of next but then when you go to raw nationals next year and we see all these meets unfold you're gonna see what these lifters are capable of so um yeah that'll be another player there in the 76 is of course daniela Mello, who uh still i mean if you look at her numbers from 2019 they hold up now as like some of the best numbers from female powerlifting so yes. uh we we will definitely um she will definitely be a start, player in that division. It'll probably serve Daniela
1: well, too, because she'll have time to probably be around this weight class more, versus I believe she was pretty much cutting.
0: Yeah, it, I, would like, like, I, I would have liked to see yeah, one meet in the meantime. I would have liked to see one meet in the meantime from her. You know, in between like, now and Nationals? You, well, but I mean, prior, like, it's high, hindsight is 2020, 20, but, like, when they announced 76, like, just oh. something like a six attempt meet or mm-hmm. something like an Ashton Rauska training day type of meet, just to. It's either. Or, or compete at like 78 kilos or something or like 80 kilos just to get your numbers in there with that weight cut and then you know maybe do the full or, or you know opposite do the weight cut see how you are at 76 take your you know six attempts and then go out there but hindsight is twenty twenty i don't know what it's like to cut weight at all so i that's just that's just my opinion on it just taking a little tune-up meet um in between they're not and i'm not saying like Four weeks out, like certain people do. I'm saying like, uh, I think 16 weeks out or something. Like as soon as they announce the weight class, like okay, let's try to get a meet in first, and then uh, work from there. So we'll probably see that now, though. We'll probably see her do a meet and then get to uh, get to uh, another meet, uh, possibly nationals, possibly Arnold. Who knows? So with the rest of that session, covered to 76s, um athletes to watch you have uh you already mentioned maria daly uh amanda martin as well yeah
1: i mean there was i mean that's kind of going to the best battle too or most impressive lift is uh bonica bonica it's bonica
0: say bonica, bonica. bonica.
1: say bonica, bonica for the rest of the episode amanda's squat <laughs> amanda hit 275.5 and then bonica chipped it at 276 i mean the fact of the matter. bonica came and performed she's back to what she's done before if she hadn't Amanda was right, I believe, at what Bonica did at 2019 Nationals. Am I correct on that?
0: She would have beat Bonica at
1: 2019 Nationals based off that total. So what I'm getting at here, why I put Amanda, is like Amanda's on the uprise. Um, We got Sarah Brenner, too, who hopefully will be back in the mix soon. Um, But there's, there's a little bit of a gap being closed there. Bonica's still the queen. It wasn't quite yet a full-on battle, but I think in a year or two, we might be talking about uh, a battle for first place here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I was pretty high on Amanda Martin. I could be both were. we had her second, which uh, both of us were spot on with our predictions. Give us a big pat on the back there. Uh, Amanda Martin second, uh, Alexis Jones third, uh, with uh, Bonica first, but yeah, I, I, I mean, looking at her training, um, I know, I and she really did post about her, uh, you know, fixing a lot of things in her training, I believe after a bomb out, and she has really fixed it, and I, I think definitely the contender mindset, with, with someone who does that and is actually able to kind of close the gap between, you know, a, a legend, like, you know, Bonica did single ply the day after, correct? Yeah so Lisa, yes i mean the most decorated arguably the most decorated athlete in USAPL. like i can't think of any any uh any other person uh that has kind of the accolades that she has uh and also on good lift points too bonita yeah, I mean, bonita's up there only, only amanda and heather beater that is so third. hard to do yeah i i mean that's that's ridiculous like at, at at a 84-plus to be in good lift points uh, from all those other competitors. That's something to be said because that does not favor uh, heavyweight lifters. It just doesn't. And it really affects her. And Alexis Jones, young lifter, midland lifter. I would assume that the future is very bright for her as well as far as, you know, trying to close the gap between someone who's dominated that division. I would say that division has the potential to be competitive as opposed to the 84s where I don't see anyone really challenging Amanda Lawrence.
1: Yeah. And that's another Midland lifter. I mean, she just competed at collegiate nationals and she added 22 kilos to her total. Yeah. So, I mean, those, those young college lifter gains can be exponential sometimes where in a year she could be right up there as well. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, Monique is the queen, but we got Amanda, Sarah Brenner and Alexis Jones, um starting to to creep up there a bit
0: yeah absolutely um so, uh with uh the rest of that session there as far as impressive lifts go of course i mean very similar to taylor atwood i think uh bonica yeah bonica can like have all of her lists kind of go in there but uh jason third deadlift you talk about that definitely Bonica's squad is up there as well so um unless you have anything else to add can we move on
1: no, I think that's about it. I think they're talking about impressive lifts. You know, i mean, I already mentioned it, but obviously Amanda pulling that second deadlift for the best overall lifter win, even though she wasn't trying to win her weight class. That was a pull for a win. That was a pull for what twenty five hundred bucks? I think it was. Yeah. Um, very impressive there, and came in clutch in a different way versus just a straight head to head battle. I mean, she was she knew the number she needed, and that was that was very impressive there, even on a day where it wasn't she wasn't fully at her her best.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm uh, yeah, very, I, I'm actually pretty interested in that conversation, uh, with her coming up because we can, you know, get get some information there, but also like I just, I'm always curious how people who are so dominant stay motivated. Um, yeah, because it's hard. It's uh, like you need someone either challenging you or it's like you're chasing someone.
1: You need but, to be Jordan to make up fake things.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It feels up, I feel
1: fake storylines. It
0: feels like that happens. Feels like uh feels like that happens occasionally with some best overall lifters like saying like, "Oh, other people wanted me to fail." Like, who? I don't think Amanda Lawrence does this. I'm actually potentially talking about another lifter and I don't want to get in trouble by saying the name, but I'm like, "Who the hell is saying anything about <laughs> you not or like you wanting the them them wanting to see you not succeed?" Who? Like, no one's saying that shit. It's all in your fucking head. But if yeah. it motivates you, but that's a, that's a thing. Like, we yeah, get if it, it motivates you, it. it's that, fine. If you, you want to say like maybe people are rooting for my downfall, that
1: had a had a private account said something. Yeah, and that you can take that and run with it to get that motivation. Uh, yeah, and I think Taylor would
0: legitimately did that, and like I said, carpet bomb the entire division. Where like I think other lifters, I'm like, no one's saying the shit that you're saying. But all right, you, have, you can you can believe that as long as it um, as long as it motivates you. All right, Friday session two, uh, probably my favorite session to view. The 93-kilo men through 120-plus, the super-heavies were competing on that day as well. A lot of weight lifted. That was yeah. the great thing about that. You just saw 700, 800-pound squats all over the place. You saw a 900-pound squat with Jesus Alavarez. Um, And you had the best competition, the best from 1 to 10. And then, if you really want to look at from 1 to 3 competition within the 93s unbelievable yeah
1: 93s literally all day i'm sitting there on lifting cast trying to figure out who's winning who's getting second who's getting third because one thing you have to understand like i kind of mentioned this when we talk about 83s like when you see openers and you see the projected forecasted total that doesn't mean they're the favorite to win anything yes everyone's different with openers some people open a bit heavier some people open a bit lighter a lot of things play out. And so, like, you saw a lot of things that you saw people way up there that you didn't know if they are going to stay. And one of those was Gavin Aiden. I saw him projected first, and I was like, whoa, what kind of crazy openers is he doing? And I'm gonna not going to lie. I literally was like, yeah, well, we're going to see, like, a 6-for-9 or 5-9 meet out of him because I think he's probably opening a bit heavy. And, boy, did he prove us wrong. He proved us wrong on pretty much every lift. Yeah, every lift. He, he came out, and he was not opening heavy. He was opening right where he should be.
0: To put it in perspective, this is on us again. Uh, If we're going to go, we could actually go uh, people who we overlooked and slept on, just where we were wrong. We were probably the most wrong in Gavin uh, Gavin Aiden. Because he was not projected in top three. Even though we were still debating, we were up in the air. Like, I was... Between him and Chance Mitchell, I was like, I don't know who's going to have the better meets between the two. He not only got into the top three, he was... So close, so close to winning a the most competitive weight class at Raw Nationals, and we did not see that. Hell, if you want to check out, I mean, this is this is I mean, I'm bringing up old news here, dirty laundry or uh, old old uh, old news, but we had him number one in on our snub list going into yeah. Raw Nationals, and this guy almost didn't compete at Raw Nationals because of the first come first serve ordeal, and. Yeah, he was so close to winning. He really proved me wrong. At all, I mean, really, I, I had no doubts on his squat and bench, his deadlift with his grip, which he said to me. So I'm not, I'm not just observing this on the uh, on his videos. He was always like, I feels like my grip fails me. He pulled 733, I believe, with no problem at the end there. I gotta check the numbers there, but it was yeah, it was three thirty two point five. Yeah, he. I'm not, I'm, I'm not good with conversion. Yeah, he. Yeah, he 330, 332. Yeah, he did not have any issues with that. His grip looked like it could have. He could have stood up there the entire day with it. Um, incredible competition, but it was during the squats. It was during the squats where this competition was the most interesting because if he would have took that chip, him and his coach Alex Usar, if they would have took that chip, they could have won this. He could have definitely chipped that squat to win. Uh, or the squat, which, which if he took takes that uh, chip, I don't know if Kaiko wins this meet. And what the chip? Well,
1: so what? He squatted three twenty seven point five. Yeah. And Ashton squatted three thirty one point five. I agree. If he could have chipped that, great. But I I don't know. It would it would have been close with three thirty two. Obviously, that 720 or that 327.5 move really well. Um, I think we'll bring it up now. I mean, honestly, a little thing that some people might know is there was actually a protest to his third squad, I believe. Because I think it was two to one whites. There was a protest on depth. Um, There were some inklings of uh, some people not thinking um, they were deep enough. So there was a protest. didn't go through. Um, And then there was a little coach battle. Um, I know Alex wasn't happy. And there was a little bit of a coach battle there on the protest. But that's part of the game. If you don't think a lift is good and you're
0: in a battle, you protest that. No, for sure. I totally agree with... I
1: believe Matt Gary protested Ashton's deadlift, correct?
0: Yeah. Uh, No, I mean, uh, absolutely. Like, I'm totally on board with Joey Flex doing that because you protest a squat. That means, you know, Keiko has a... Keiko has an easier path to victory. And that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to win Raw Nationals. That's the name of the game. At Raw Nationals, you think something's high. You see the two white lights even if it's something you don't you're like okay i thought that was a good lift i have to protest it maybe the jury saw something that i didn't you go and protest that um yeah i and uh, and that's why raw nationals is raw nationals the competition yeah. aspect apparently there was a little bit of uh, like there there was there was uh there was some resentment for protesting that call that's good we're all about the smoke right at raw nationals we all want that and we didn't really get to see it. it was in the warm-up room, but that's why it's so intense. That is why Raw Nationals is Raw Nationals. You can feel the tension at times between lifters trying to gun for that position at number one. And that might have been, I mean, if, if Joey ended up winning that protest, then there you go. Then it's, it's, it's a clear victory for Kaiko. He doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't have to rely on certain lifts. But, you know, you got to give credit to Kaiko, though. I mean, actually, both gentlemen had a very difficult uh, path, just literally, yeah. the path, all <laughs> the path to all nationals. The path to draw nationals is hard for them.
1: Yeah. Gavin had to cut 10 pounds, too. Obviously, Keiko had a weight cut, but not I don't think it was extreme, but Keiko had a bunch of travel issues. I think he said he had 20,000 steps the day before or something like that and wasn't able to eat, which is why he weighed in so light. Um, so, yeah. and he, I mean, he, he came in. He performed. He was clutch. Nine for nine day. Took what he could. I mean, it came to he. He took exactly what he needed to to win, and he came out and he is the. Na- I, I'm super happy for him. I mean, Gavin's. It's just a matter of time, probably, before he wins a national championship. But I'm really happy for Keiko because I know he really wanted to go to Worlds.
0: And yeah, he didn't
1: get his chance. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to see that he's going to get his world shot.
0: I'm very happy for that too. Um, if you guys watched me in the stands, if you thought I was biased towards uh, Keiko, I was. Keiko is a good friend and also probably my favorite lifter. Um, so I was rooting for him to win. No disrespect to Gavin. I love him too as a lifter, but I, you know, that's I mean, you have your fans. You have you have your favorites. I'm a fan of a person, and I'm a fan of Kaiko, and it was great to see him compete. Um, look like, you know, I think uh I think we were maybe a little bit premature with saying he was gonna total nine hundred. Uh based on his last meet, it definitely looked like he could have totaled nine hundred. The squat was looking a little bit iffy for him going into the meet, so we might have missed that. As far as um, just, I mean, I, I mean, at least I definitely did. And at competition, it looked a little shaky as squat. Uh, obviously, bench is fantastic for him. He's Mister Bench for a reason, and he was able to pull for the win. And it was, I mean, it came down to that. It came down to a pull for the win scenario, and it was so incredibly close between him and Gavin. I think we assumed uh, Connor was going to have the meet that Gavin did, and um, and a few missed, a few missed lifts and, you know, it's a person who we totally thought had a capability of winning dropped to fifth. Yep. Um, from my
1: knowledge there, um, the weight cut got him a little bit, so they're going to do some things, manipulating weight to make sure that that's not as much of an issue moving forward. Because I think that kind of, that hurt him a little bit. He seems to react, react negatively to any type of weight cut versus being more at body weight. Um, but yeah, that kind of goes back to me, obviously Keiko and Gavin. Arguably the battle of the entire meet, but then third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh—all a battle—and the yeah. only person that came out with that third deadlift was Cameron Smith, and that got him third place because we had Chance pulling for third, we had Connor pulling for third. I don't think Ju- I think Justin Rogers was pulling for like third or. fourth. Well, he was pulling for third until Cameron hit his, and that kind of solidified it. And then Bob obviously pulling for third. Yeah, everyone was going for third, and it just came down to who hit it. And Cameron came out on top. And we, I, I talked to Cameron on IG afterwards. Like, I don't want to say we slept on him because we knew and we we hyped him. Yeah, up. he was
0: we, we, he was just a guy we didn't, didn't know.
1: Yeah, we just didn't know the last month what he was bringing because he <laughs> yeah. stopped posting. He was and similar that the same, came
0: in, Cayman in battle in that situation where I'm like. Cayman could actually—I don't know—he could take second. I have no idea what this guy's doing. Yeah. Like going, in the, I was like, okay, he could just totally prove us wrong right now. Um, yeah. And Cameron did that. Like he—he he performed on meet Uh Shout out—we both bought some bronze home to Chicago. So yeah, yeah so uh, you know, represent Illinois USAPL Illinois. There, uh, we got we got some bronze back to uh, to Chicago there. But yeah, he came in. I would throw again breakout perform in there too. Um, He's a guy that wasn't I think on anyone's radar in 2019 now he's on everyone's radar top 3 in the most competitive weight class at Raw Nationals something to definitely be happy about that entire yeah that entire platform was just crazy because every single time you looked up and watched the 93s it was like another insane lifter was competing it, because it, it's not even going past you know the top 3 guys then you're like oh god Chance Mitchell's competing Oh, okay, oh, David Ricks is doing something insane. He's Atlas squatting 700 pounds right now because he locks out with one side up 13 seconds before the other one.
1: Dave Ricks going three for three on squat might be one of the biggest storylines. I mean, squatting 700. Yeah. I mean, just straight dude, up. Dude, George's subtotal, a while, he's
0: up there. He has, like, the best subtotal. And, like, when, crazy
1: man, yeah, insane. Then,
0: then again, you look, you look at ninety three. Then you have, you have Marcus Sadudu, squatting, or pulling something crazy, or doing something insane. Uh, which another huge, I mean, because he, I mean, that's his first meet at ninety three. Terrific performance, performance from him. You have Bob, who is always entertaining to watch. No matter what lift he is doing, he's entertaining because he's so incredibly, incredibly explosive and strong. Like. No matter where you looked at the 93s, it was going to be some insane lift happening. Uh, Justin Rogers is another one. Uh, like, it's crazy. It's that, that entire platform was was just a pleasure to watch. Um, and it turned out to be uh, a pull-for-the-win scenario. It was a perfect, perfect competition from watching the 93s. And it, it was hard to pay attention to because on the other platform... You have the 105s. Yep.
1: And I'm going to say this real quick. I don't know if you ever said it. This is the only uh, meet uh, session me and you got to spectate.
0: Yeah, fully so This spectated. is the one that we
1: literally got to actually see that either I wasn't coaching in or you weren't competing in, that we actually got to sit down and watch the entirety of it and see everything. But, yeah. You had two platforms going on the other platform. You had Ashton and Bryce going at it and you had Joseph Amendola and David Wilson going at it. We had, we had a double battle there between for first place and then for third place. Yeah. Um, and the Ashton Bryce lives up to the hype. I mean that, that was, that was one of those hyped up battles and it lived up to every bit of it.
0: Yeah. And you know what, uh, with, I mean, we're where we said Russ, um, similarly on his, on his, on his squat kind of demoralizes opponents. That's Ash's squat, too. When Ash got that squat, his third squat, which is probably, I would say, probably the most impressive, him and Jesus' squat, probably the most impressive lifts from that session. When he got that third squat, I'm like, I don't see him losing now. I'm going to
1: disagree there. I'm going to disagree there fully. After after Bryce hit his second bench, I was like, holy cow, Bryce is going to win. Okay. Because... Bryce, off that second bench, I had no doubt he had 230. And if he hits 230, all he has to do is pull 372.5 to win, I believe, and I think he can do that. I really – after Bryce's second bench, I was like, holy cow, I think Bryce – because I don't – I get what you're saying with Ashton's squat, but I don't get into it yet. It's a long day. There's a, it's really easy to get demoralized from that, but Bryce – looked like he was going to have a sub to, almost a subtotal lead over Ashton going into deadlifts until he missed that third bench. And he said he kind of misproved it and I think touched a little low because he got a little kind of hyped up for it. If he hits that bench, he's got the subtotal lead. And yeah. I, I honestly, I was thinking Bryce might win it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to rephrase. I wasn't like the same way where I was turning to the warm-up room and saying it's over when Russ hit his third squad. I was just thinking to myself, this is where Ash sets the tone is on –
1: Squat. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. So he sets the tone on the squat. I'm like, well, if, if, but uh, I, I kind of on the flip side there. If he misses squat, if Ash misses third squat, then I'm on like I don't see Bryce losing now. Mm-hmm. Like because he gives up so much kilos if he misses that squat. So yeah, I I mean it was yeah like you like you said it was as good as advertised. Bryce and Ash uh, lived up to the hype. Um, once, uh, once well, actually, Ash Ash did a. Very funny thing. He would just come out to the crowd and, like, come say hi to me and all the people, like, standing there. Uh, and then, like, as Bryce was benching, when he missed his third, I, like, got up to see if Ash and saw it. <laughs> like, yo, that's – I'm like, that's really important, dude. You might want to look at that. <laughs> so, like, cause I'm like, if he – like, if, the fact that he missed his third bench, now it's going to come down to deadlifts, which I think Ash would have the upper hand, and he did um, on that. And really, when it got to deadlifts, it got interesting as well because – on that platform, very consistent with everyone, you seem to get a red light from. Uh, I believe it was. one side wrong. judge? I think it was, it was the left or right. Left, left, and it was on everyone. It felt David well, Wilson was.
1: I always get confused. I might have been right. I might have been right. From the, left from the spectator or left from the.
0: I think right on the platform.
1: It was right, right, right from the lifter. Left from the spectator. Yeah, so I think
0: it was that. It was their right. Uh, uh, the right side judge. And everyone was getting called on it, it was consistent, but like the situation with uh, Kaiko, with uh, Kaiko and Gavin, Matt Gary came out and protested of white, uh, two white lights lift and he lost it, but I'm like, it's totally worth it to do it. It's worth the $100 fine that you get, which I didn't mm-hmm. know that was a thing.
1: I had 200 dollars cash in my wallet that
0: day. Yeah, good. Good cuz yeah, you just see Mac Gary. I still, uh, I still got 200 dollars cash in my wallet. Yeah, you see, <laughs> yeah, see Mac Gary uh, kind of slip him there. But yeah, that's what good uh, meat uh that's what good day, game day handlers do. So, you had that, but also, like you said, you had David Wilson and uh Jake Amendola battling out which like I I mean, I, and that was another person. He just he snuck in there third cuz I was I was relatively confident with David Wilson uh getting third in the 105s. Based on his attempt selection, it seems like he just valued the American record more than placing yeah, third. I
1: don't. I don't want to discredit Joe Jake. Jake. I say jokes. I'm looking at Joseph Amendola on the spreadsheet. Uh, I don't want to discredit Jake's third at all. He is. He is bronze medalist. But Dave made a big jump, a 21 kilo jump to go for the American record. I, I think Dave's won nationals, and so like I don't think he cared too much about a, a medal per se. His his second attempt was super easy. Honestly, that last attempt didn't move too hard. He just had a little bit of soft shoulders. So, yeah, I think he just didn't yeah, care I, so
0: much about – I he thought he hit it. About, what are you say? I thought he hit it. Like when I was in – when I was spectating, I, I thought he had it. If he got
1: – honestly, based off of judging, if they were on the other platform, he probably did hit it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was – because Ash got same thing. He got called uh, with – I believe – want to say it was a soft lockout? That's what he got called for? And, uh, I mean, that, they were, again, well, Ashton's in my
1: opinion was even more debatable. I did. I didn't see the one on Ashton's Dave. I could kind of see it and Dave kind of said he agreed and he got three reds. Um, Dave did. So the front judge said it too. Um, I, so I, I couldn't see the full lift cause of the crowd blocking. Um, but Dave, I put him as a breakout performer mainly because we haven't seen him fully kind of adapt to this one Oh five class yet. He's kind of been working his way into it. If he hits that deadlift, which I very much think is doable in the future, that's a 900-kilo total, or a close to 900 kilos. And that puts him starting to be in the picture in a year or two with Ashton and Bryce.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I, I would agree with you. Breakout performer there is – because he's got that deadlift too. So he's always got that deadlift to rely on. It's going to get better, especially with the weight gain that he's having. Um, this is his second meet at 105. an incredible improvement from his last meet. Uh, I guess it did open the door for them, though, with Cayman Battle. Now I'm going to ask you, uh, because, again, Cayman Battle was a mystery going in. We all know he's a fucking beast. We all know how strong he is. He doesn't post any of his training, so I have no idea what's going on ever with his training. What did you think of the depth?
1: I couldn't see it. Heads were blocking it. I can say for sure, because I couldn't see where the hips were. I could only see the bar moving. The first two, it was pretty obvious the bar wasn't moving very far for how tall he is. The third attempt definitely looked like he went further down, but I, I can't, I can't say for sure. I really couldn't see it. Um, I mean, I, I, I didn't think anyone else was getting called for really too much depth calls on that platform.
0: So hey, I, with, I I, with that platform, you see like really convincing squatters though. That was one thing. I was, yeah. Like, of course, Bryce Lewis isn't going to get a whole lot of red lights the way Ash buries his squats. Uh, I David David Wilson, I think was getting two white lights the entire time. So the only thing I'm gonna say, let's say Cayman got white lights on that first
1: attempt, it wasn't easy.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit of a hard of it.
1: It wasn't an opener. Like even if he got that, I was like, eh, maybe he goes up ten kilos and that's that's all he's got.
0: Yeah. So towards towards that third attempt, I thought he got it. I I was there, you know, kind of front center. I gave him the white. I actually thought there were no white lights. Was it Dennis Carey on the the MCing that day? Yeah. That was, I looked at Jamar Royster, the judges. Jamar Royster and I looked at each other at the same time. There was kind of an awkward silence in the crowd when Dennis Curry <laughs> just gets on the mic and says, I thought that was a good lift. I don't know what these judges are looking at. Then you see all the judges just look in his direction like, um, excuse me? You said that really loud on microphone there, so the entire building heard it. And it was that like uh that meme of the the, the stuffed animal just kinda looking like to the side and that would that's what Gino was doing. Like Gino just kinda like looked at Dennis like I don't think uh, you, you should say that on the platform, man, but uh that was a, a an unfortunate situation for Cayman, but also yielded a very awkward, funny situation for everyone in the crowd, like yeah, the MC is not supposed to call out the judges in that capacity, but he did, yeah. and I would agree with him. I I, I thought I I would definitely white light for I was standing. So for the third attempt? Yeah, yeah. I would have for the third attempt. Yeah, I I I, I wasn't in too much protest there with the second, but I thought he tried tried well, that, to get that's noticed one those, lower. It's not
1: supposed to be this way, but as a coach, I tell my lifters sometimes bury the first attempt. Yeah. I'm not saying that refs won't not watch the next two attempts, but if you make the first attempt convincing, they're going to be more likely to give you a white if it creeps up a bit. If you miss and you go high on your first two attempts, you better dunk your third attempt or there's no way you're getting it. Yeah, so for sure. that's where it's tough. For sure. if, this first, if the third attempt was his first, maybe he gets it. But sometimes if you are setting a standard that it's high, you're going to have to make it no doubt to get white lights.
0: For sure. I com- I'm pl- uh, complete agreement with you on that one. Um, but yeah, I guess that's how the one Oh five is really shaped out. Um, like just as far as, you know, I think, I think came bombing, opened the door for those lifters. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, we, I still had David Wilson, a uh, sec a uh, third, none of us had him third or none of us had, uh, Jay, uh, Jake, uh, Jake Amendola third.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, Jake obviously has his bench, but he came to play with that squat. That's what got him third place.
0: Yeah. For he
1: sure, had a great third
0: squat. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at if you look at Jake, just initially, just body built for squat and bench. Yeah, gonna kill you on the subtotal for sure. Um, you know, it's your chance to pull away there on the deadlift, but he, he kills you on the subtotal. So yeah, he snuck in there on third uh, and very uh, you know uh, excellent lifter. Um, oh, always a pleasure to watch Jake Avendola. So. We have uh, that for the 105s. Uh, those are also the best battles we talked about there. Um, I would let's let's uh, the 120s and super heavyweights was interesting in the sense that I won't say it was underwhelming, but you kind of get this—you get Jesus Oliveira's and Ray Williams showdown not happening, and that kind of takes it out. And also, you know, uh, uh, Devon Williams. Not being at the meet. Yep. Like Did you know anything off? about
1: that? I don't I just noticed he wasn't there. No, no uh
0: difference. Derek Dowry not. came out to talk to me earlier. He's like he's like, dude, there's like three other super heavyweights who dropped out. So he's like, it's like a participation trophy at this point. And he was kind of like, I don't even know what to do. Yeah. I'm just gonna go and try to put in Taylor my best Hatwood total. It's fourth. Yeah. The super <laughs> Taylor Ant was the, the, the fourth best super heavyweight. Uh, because of that, but yeah, I mean, he was like, dude, it kind of like it kind of takes a piss out of the competition here because people are gone. He was, <laughs> he just tells me, Derek, Dow- awesome guy. Derek is Derek's the man. And I actually think you know because I know he's battling some injuries, uh, within the prep. Uh, I'm very confident his future in the super heavyweight, where I think it's going to be the Jesus, uh, Jesus Derek, and uh, I don't, I don't have too much information on uh, Davian, but that's going to be those three guys are going to be the top uh the top lifters in the super heavyweight division. He just tells me, he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna try to tell Jesus to open at a thousand pounds to see if he could bomb out so I could have a chance <laughs> to win. He's like, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to get a little play a little mind games. He's like, you know what Ray Williams never did? Open at a thousand pounds. So yes. <laughs> so uh so I mean let's talk about the super heavyweights then because we'll get to the 120s, but Jesus Oliveira's seven for nine meets wins convincingly super heavyweight division and it's again obviously respecting the win but with that performance even though deadlifts definitely didn't go the way he wanted it to go with that performance he is still the best super heavyweight in the world and i will say if ray williams was competing at that meet jesus still would have won on a seven for nine day
1: I agree, and they probably they might have not jumped as much on that second deadlift as well. Yeah, GDF, I think
0: they would have played yeah. it smart. I think you flex would have done the flex coaching where he would have played the strategies outright, um, which would have been a. I mean, I I mean for Jesus and Flex, like be the coaching, be the coach to try to go head for head with Ray Williams and Matt Gary, like uh, that's like a dream scenario. Yeah. Right, like as a competitor, you can't get it better this is, than that.
1: I mean, honestly, this may have been a great thing for Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm I, I know he was a bit, him and Joey were a bit upset about those calls. I, I thought they were the correct calls when I was watching them. I, I didn't think they were necessarily locked out, but I think that was one of those things that, like, okay, this was a really good learning lesson to know exactly what I need to do as I go to IPF Worlds in the future. Because obviously, he's pulled what 880 before, yeah. So we know he has it in him. I think there's just probably some aspects of uh, positioning, um, and I know he's I, – I, I'm speculating here, but I think he kind of alluded to this on his story. Um, he did gain some weight leading into this meet, and that's one of the things with super heavies is as you gain weight, sometimes that makes the positioning off the floor a little bit harder and then makes lockout a bit harder to get to. Um, so he may – I mean, I, probably some adjustments are going to be made, but I, I fully expect – him to be able to come back and be pulling well over 800 again. And this probably was kind of one of those good learning things that where he's going to be able to take that and then not make that mistake again and be able to put together that 2,400 total that he's, he's capable of in the near future.
0: Completely agree. And uh, like I was telling him, like just does he is, I mean, still, I mean, this should be talked about more. He is the best super heavyweight in the world. And I think he's better than Ray Williams at this point, even with that seven for nine meets. And I think the total can be improved Based on that, because it does take away things. When Ray isn't there, it takes away what you do. You could, at that point, like, seriously, he could have probably went openers and won. Right? Mm -hmm. So, like, it's a hard situation to be in, especially when I know for a fact Jesus is thinking about Ray Williams the entire time through prep to be the best super heavyweight in the world. The guy's got lofty goals, and he's outrageously focused. And as soon as that's taken away from you, it does have an effect. If you guys think it doesn't, it totally does. Because the crowd knows it, the athletes back there know it, so it's it, it does have some sort of effect on you. But regardless, he is the best super heavyweight in the world. He can go into every room in the IPF and the USAPL and just say, "Oh, I'm stronger than that fucking guy. I'm stronger than that fucking guy. I'm stronger than that fucking guy. I'm stronger than that girl. I'm stronger than everyone here." That is what Jesus Oliveira says. So, um. I, I'm very curious to see what happens for his next meet I'm assuming of course that is IPF worlds in September um and I think we're going to get the uh, performance that uh that he wanted at this meet with also the the uh the surrounding the, the surrounding competition of it because it, you know I mean Ray Williams bombed out of IPF worlds last time he competed so this is Hey Zeus's opportunity to take it back for the United States, and that super heavies, and you know, really put together that performance. Uh, I'm very, I'm, I'm always confident, in Zeus, what he's gonna do. Um, get out to the 120s. Uh, uh, Dennis Cornelius, legend, beast, another 120 kilo championship under his belt, but definitely not the meat he was looking for. I think you could tell in his second squat that he hurt himself. He talked to me the day before that he tweaked his back just a bit um i think yeah. i think he
1: was injured coming in because even looking at his subtotals like he's opening up really light based off of what because we talked about his training has looked incredible mm-hmm. and so i'm assuming either on the well, the second yeah either the second squad he hurt it more or he was hurt coming in i think i heard from someone about two weeks out he he tweaked his back and that kind of led to this obviously even with tweaking his back he can come in and still win that weight class but it was it was unfortunate because it really looked like he had a shot at a twenty two hundred total, and if he would have done that, I, I think he's in the argument there for best lifter of the meet with Taylor and Russ and Keiko and, and Ashton of like who had the best performance.
0: Yeah, well, I don't. Th- I mean, like he's kind of in the conversation of Taylor Atwood. Taylor Atwood kind of separated himself from all conversations at this this meet, but yeah. uh, he's he's up there. Yeah, I mean, he still has. I mean, definitely with Keiko, Russ, uh, and and um, and Ash. Like, yeah, he would have been up there. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think Ash and Bryce out-totaled uh, Dennis at this meet. Yep. It was a pretty
1: close battle for second through fifth. I mean, Jared Martin, Blake Gatwell, Tristan and Nathan Alexander, they were only separated by, like, 30 kilos.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was a pretty close battle between those four. But just the, just the fact is, I mean, if Dennis, bring, if Dennis wasn't hurt and he brings what he looks like he was capable of, he probably – he probably comes close to out-totaling by 70 or 80 kilos on second place. It's kind of an Amanda Lawrence-type situation.
0: Yeah, uh, pretty much with the 120s. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hope, hope, hopeful that that division gets a little bit stronger as it goes. Um, you know what, also, uh, just, to, just to bring this up, I'm actually looking at the 93s right now. I had lunch with Bryce Lewis, and I did not know this. L.S. McClain, because he got top five in 105s. Yeah. L.S. McLean is the only lifter, I believe, to be top five in 93, 105, and 120. Oh. That is, I mean, I like, I i wasn't expecting to talk about Ellis McClain, like, as far as his performance goes. He totaled top five in a competitive weight class, and still, like, that's, that's like, one of the coolest feats ever. Yeah, I mean, the dude has done a <laughs> lot of sneaky stuff
1: with winning Worlds two times as an alternate, I believe. The, for net... Because he's never actually won nationals yet, he's one of the most decorated lifters of all time. It, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of crazy his path, but also just I mean his longevity. He he did mention in the story post, it's he's starting to get a little more beat up, and he's starting to respect the David Ricks and the Jen Thompsons a little bit more. But the dude's been around for a while now. I mean, mm-hmm. he's one of the OGs battling back in that '93 class back in what like 2013 when like or 2000. It was like 2014 was the first like true like raw nationals, or no 2013 was. He's been there since from the get go. That dude has been top five placing in every Raw Nationals, pretty much in every single year that he's ever competed.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I actually just looked at that now as far as the uh, the one hundred and fives go. Um, you know, uh, you know what? Uh, also, uh, we we talked about comebacks. Uh, Chance Mitchell, I think, you have to throw him in there. Big comeback there, uh, finishing I believe fourth in the ninety-three. ninety threes. You know, and I think uh, I think he's let everyone know that, you know, Chance Mitchell hasn't gone anywhere. He's still here. Um, and he's still the – and you know what? He's the he's the Chance Mitchell that we remember. Mm-hmm. Eight for nine meets. I think he posted on a story he averages an 8.7 out of nine. Yeah. He's uh, going eight all for all nine or meets. nine for nine
1: in every meet. I mean, yeah. the only reason he didn't go nine for nine here is because he had to pull for third. Um, I mean, he was putting in what he needed to pull for third, or else he's probably nine for nine there as well.
0: Yeah. And – um for uh also Bob Matthews uh your third place pick I I really thought he had a chance there to jump from seven to third
1: three yeah I I mean I'm not I still stand by that third place pick because I mean if he doesn't do it now I put him as an athlete to watch him and Marcellus just got started together um I thought Bob didn't really have to. So here's a question because it was kind of interesting. It sounded like Bob might be moving up a weight class, but I didn't think he really had an issue. getting he said something or Marcellus posted something. Maybe I'm wrong, and I read into. it. Yeah, I got to. I, I
0: got to get more clarification on that because I he doesn't, Marcellus what?
1: or Bob posted something that kind of was like, and eh, they might be going up to 105s. That's outrageous.
0: Which was surprising. You know what I, did like I said, I could be wrong, what I did see I though before. in Bob's performance was okay, his like squat. Bob
1: said it here. More than likely, moving up a weight class.
0: In this post, why? I I got I gotta get more clarification on that. I guess I just didn't see that at all. That's interesting to me, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess his squat. Well, I will say when I saw him walk out of squat, I never seen him that shaky. He was he was struggling with the walkout just a bit, and I didn't I never seen that with him. I'm I, yeah. I Maybe there was a weak cut I don't, think cut he here. Has to I don't cut, know because I mean. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What's maybe he not- just wants to gain weight. I don't know. Because I I was under the assumption yeah. he never counts. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I thought he was gaining. I'm pretty sure he was having to gain weight in this meet. So, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, we'll see. If he goes to 105, that's interesting. So, yeah. but I, I still like him at 93. I think he has a lot of room to grow in this weight class, and um, for him to get third was not out of the picture. He, I mean, him. Connor, Chance, all were in that battle with Cameron, and Cameron came out on top it because he's the one that went 3-for-3 three three on Deads.
0: Yep, for sure. Uh, all right, well, you know what? Unless you have anything to add, I think that'll do it for at least the recaps for our sessions here. Yeah. What I'm doing so right now it. is actually checking out the, uh, the March Madness brackets uh, and, uh, like, seeing how our picks hold up there and the fans' picks, too. They hold up pretty well. Um... I, you know, we had Danielle Mello over Jasmine Penn, so that didn't really uh, work out. I think we had, uh, yeah, I guess I guess they worked out, but I think I might have been the most wrong out of the March Madness, but actually might give you the Oracle title back, because if you guys go through our picks, we were spot on. We were, or not spot on as far as picks go, we were, uh, I mean, we had our misses and hits, but we were tied exactly on exactly the point situation, but... I do recall and I stand by my take. I do recall me saying during the March Madness bracket that Ashton Rauska is going to have a performance that is unprecedented. And he's going this is gonna be the this is going to be the transition of Ashton Rauska being the next John Hack. I couldn't be more wrong, not in the sense of Ashton Rauska being the next John Hack, but Taylor Atwood being the next John Hack. Well, some that's some where I was here. wrong, and you picked Taylor Atwood. I, I the fans the also fans also picked Ashton Roska, so fuck you guys, too. You're, you're in this with me. <laughs> you're in this with me, and you guys all picked Ashton Roska, too. So,
1: I did the math. If we're looking at how many of the top three people we got right, I told you, we literally tied. Yeah. Me and you tied. We both picked Amanda for the best lifter.
0: You yeah. pick Ash
1: and I picked Taylor, so I edged you by one point on it. So I'll contain. I'll be the oracle, and you will continue to be the bronzer.
0: Yes, the bronze god, the bronze god. I, yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was something I was because I mean, if you go back and like listen to the sound bites of it, I I, I pretty much said Ashton Ralston is going to have the meat that Taylor Atwood had, like, uh, hmm? and that's what we said really with the perk and Austin or uh, the perk and Atwood debate of um who was going to have the better meet and i just said like you know what austin could go 812 815 i'm expecting an unprecedented f- performance from taylor atwood but the prediction was 825 and king of lifts also was like is he going to total more than 820 good lord did he total more than 820 so you do have the oracle title you do win on this one based on a March madness uh uh, uh, brackets too, and our predictions there. Um, so you know what, Nationals over and done with. We're definitely gonna have some more meets in the meantime. We're gonna have some really interesting meets in the meantime as well. Uh, we're gonna have the episode drop with um with the Virginia State Chair. Yes. Uh, talking about that pro meet, which I think that's going to be kind of just the the appetizer from more meets to come of that level. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see, uh, up, up. also we do have worlds in the meantime, but based on that national board meeting that I was at, that's still being discussed, our relationship with the yeah. IPF. I, I, I hope
1: they figure that out sooner rather than later. Cause I, there's I, definitely some people planning for worlds already. And I hope that's, they figure that out the sooner rather than later. Some people are not... Disappointed, the, getting pulled the, out. Last the, inter-
0: the interesting thing is not so much of I. I don't know if if the IPF is going to recognize some of these nat- the, yeah. the national champions. That's going to be the thing, and that if if they don't do that. So here's the thing: if the IPF doesn't do that and they do not recognize the national champions, right there should be our signal to fucking get out of it. Just get out of this thing because it's a yeah. raw deal, and also. If we're talking about lifter first, if the IPF won't accept lifters from a certain country based on the drug testing that they do, yeah, they aren't lifter first. I don't think we should be associated with it, but that's a debate for a whole other time. But that's going to be the interesting thing going forward and possibly can be a really unfortunate thing because the fact that it's in Sweden now, people want to go, and I totally understand is why. It's in
1: Sweden. Good Lord, that yeah. took a while. Yeah. I mean- yeah. Why was that ever even a
0: thing? Yes, exactly. It took a very long time, and it just happened to be during Raw Nationals when the national board meeting was taking place. <clears throat> Apparently, it wasn't intentional. But, uh, yeah, I I, I really hope they get solved beforehand, uh, because you're going to see a lot of great lifters, and you're going to see a lot of great, great battles in the international stage, which I still do value the international stage. My problem is not with the international lifters, of course, but... Um, I love the international lifters uh, who who decide to compete in powerlifting and make the sport better. It's the IPF. I do have if if the IPF is listening. I do have a problem with you. I, I do. I personally have it. So yeah. Uh, it's hopefully, hopefully things are resolved. And it sounds like if they can come to an agreement on the drug testing, we will have IPF. Uh, we will have the IPF.
1: I have a 0.01% faith that they're going to come to agreement on drug testing.
0: Yes, I mean you could be optimistic or pessimistic on that, but I, I was thinking at least that's where the only issue is currently. They just have to find an agreement with the drug testing, and that means the relationship with the IPF holds. Even though there's some lifters who don't think the USAPL should stay in the IPF, even if they come to an agreement because of the possibilities will be greater without them. That's that's. You know, neither here or there, but I personally think most of the lifters in the USAPL would prefer to have the IPF in it as long as they could find an agreement on the drug testing. So I guess I could wrap it up there because that's that's I I mean, as far as two white lights go, that's probably what we're gonna have to be on the lookout for because the next big meet in September is, for at least our schedule, IPF Worlds, and yep. that's gonna be a lot. That's gonna be on a lot of lifter schedules as well. So uh yeah, we'll we'll uh we'll see the developments there. Um sounds like the Arnold is gonna be a lot of fun. Can't wait to see that. Uh and it's great to have USAPL meets back in full force. Yep. We're rolling again. Yep. Alright. That will do it. Uh guys, I don't know what the next episode's gonna be, because I got Amanda Lawrence coming on, I got Joey Flex coming on. I got Joe Stanek, of course, with our coach-client Confidential. Uh, we have that interview with Sa- uh, Sabre coming up. Taylor. Taylor Atwood. That's going to be next week for sure when I interview him. So, as of right now, when this episode drops, there's going to be three interviews in the back burner that I have. So, be on the lookout. Don't know when I'm going to drop, and especially within the order. Uh, I might actually put it to a vote. I don't fucking know. So, yeah. Uh, Be on the lookout for a lot of interviews coming up on Two White Lights. Also, Gavin Ardine, too. Um, I can't wait to talk to him um, and also smoke a cigar with him. That's that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Get excited for a lot of Two White Lights episodes coming up. See you guys next week. Peace.